Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Happy Juneteenth, Baltimore. I am Glenn Clark. He is Griffin Bass. And a pleasure to be joined in studio this morning by a man who is ubiquitous with baseball in Baltimore. He is an absolute legend. And I love the fact that he is part of our team here at PressBox. The great Jim Henneman is in studio with us, hanging out this morning. It's so good to see you, Jim Henneman. Thank you for coming in and you hanging out. You keep using words like that, and uh, we're, we're going to have trouble. <laughs> no words I can't spell. <laughs> well, hang on a second. <laughs> if the rule was like that for me, I'm not sure we'd have any words at that point. I appreciate you. It's good to see you, sir. Really, really am glad that you're able to come in and hang out with this morning. Happy to be here. I, I got a lot of stuff I want to cover with you. Obviously, sure. uh, the Orioles avoided a sweep yesterday, but I did. I noticed this morning Jim Palmer um, said that Dick Hall had passed away. I heard that last night. I got the. I had a text from a friend uh, uh, last night that uh, passed away during the day yesterday. I was. I was wondering for people because I'm sure that when I say the name Dick Hall, you know, young Griffin over here, young Grant, they're like, who? I, I don't I don't yeah. even know who that is. Um, could you tell everybody a little bit about Dick Hall? Probably one of the more amazing athletes I've ever been around, really. I mean, I don't know anybody that ever uh, got as much out of his talents and ability as, uh, as Dick did. Uh, he actually was signed by the Pirates originally as a third baseman back in the 50s. Uh, a very bright guy. From, he went to Swarthmore. Uh, played a little bit there. Actually went to Mexico. Played in, played in Mexico for a while, and at one point, I think, uh, you know, he had the Babe Ruth of Mexico. Uh, because he was doing – he, he, doing... he, he was playing baseball. He, I mean, he was playing. He wasn't pitching. Right. You know, uh, and, um, you know, his, his game evolved. I mean, he was a – his his delivery was kind of like a, a sidearm uh, dart player. Okay. <laughs> if, you yeah. can, if you can envision – if you can envision that, uh, amazing control – um, and he, I mean, he had like a dart thrower's, uh, uh, pinpoint control, uh, just an amazing guy, um, had, had a, a long career, uh, very brilliant guy, uh, he got, he got famous early on in his career as a guy who could, he could do all the, he could do all those stats in his head. Really? He didn't need a, it was, he was way before the computer guy, he was the computer <laughs> and uh, and actually, he was. Uh, I think he was very instrumental. I think the Orioles may have been the first team. You know, when when you did World Series shares, they all, you know you always saw full shares, half shares, quarter shares, this shares. And Dick was. Uh, I, I'm almost positive as he was instrumental. And in, he said, you know, why more? We just go by how many days, however many days you were here. That, that was how they, that's how they did it. So if you were here for you know, 138 days, uh, you know, you got 138 okay. slash uh, okay. whatever. And, wow. And that's how, uh, and I, I think a lot, I think mostly that's kind of a, an accepted the, the standard. standard today. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. So, but anyhow, he, um, uh, I don't really know how old Dick was. I was in his 90s, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Dick Hall was and, um, 92 years old. 92. But uh, an amazing, amazing career and an amazing gentleman. He was, uh, uh, and he was always, uh, you know, great fun to be around. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Jim, I, I'm Dick passed uh, too late for uh, Jim. Did not know about it during the the, the broadcast. Yeah. I, I'm sure he would have uh, he would have mentioned it. But uh, yeah, R.I.P. to a great friend and uh, and really uh, a kind of an, an iconic guy here. But you're right. Uh, you know, to 
to to the the, my, the generations of uh, younger than. Uh, Look, I'm not even going to pretend like I know a right, lot about right. Dick Hall. That's not. I'm not really <laughs> yeah, trying to call. Uh, yeah, guys. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, my kids and grandkids. Uh, you know, Dick Hall doesn't doesn't mean, but but to those of us who. Uh, who were around, uh, you know, during the heyday, really. I mean, he was on a lot of great teams. He was he was on really all the great teams. Well, so, he was yeah. on both the '66 yeah. and '70 World Series right. teams, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then... So he was, yeah, he was here through that that early stretch, and uh, uh, you know, so it uh, is on the is in the club's Hall of Fame. He didn't have statistics that knock your eyes out, but when you, if you go back and look at him, amazingly consistent and uh, um, just a uh, you know adorable, reliable guy. A remarkable life, yeah. obviously, a Dick Hall, and I appreciate you being here today to tell us a little bit more about him, or else I would have been sitting here <laughs> feeling very stupid trying to talk about Dick Hall in a way that I am not capable of doing. Um, uh, Jim, I, I, just for those that, for whatever reason, maybe don't know you, your life, your story, the first time you ever wrote anything, and I don't even know if it was definitely about baseball, but the first time you ever wrote about sports was when? Uh, 1958. Shoo! Yeah. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, well, I, I actually was, uh, I had just started at the paper as a copy boy. There was really not, uh, I had, I got sick my senior year in college. So uh, I was out of school and, uh, and, and planning on going back, to be honest with you, because I wanted to go back and play one more year of baseball. But um, things happened and uh, I was at, the, you know, John Stedman had hired me through a mutual friend as a copy boy. A dollar an hour. 30, hey man, that's 30, good 30, work if you can get it. 39 <laughs> hours a week. You know, hey. Whew. And uh, the first, actually. The, the, With inflation, that's like $6 Oh, yeah, an hour. I mean, I probably, yeah, it probably was, you know, not yeah. bad. Uh, the first story I ever actually wrote was uh, about Al Kaline, who had, wow. who, who it was, it was, 58 was a year of the All-Star game, and I did a story about, I played against Al for three years, so. So that was the first story I wrote. But actually, the first one that actually got in print, which was a little bit before that, was the one that I subsequently wrote. Uh, uh, and it was kind of an advice column for Little League parents and hmm. Little League parents from, from coaches and managers and, and directors of Little Leagues. Uh, and it was, as it turned out, it, you know, it was, it, was, it was kind of a favorite story of mine for a long time because it, Still holds true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the same. Do you, okay, do you remember any of the advice that was in the in the column? Yeah, be be kind to umpires. All right, don't be screaming and hollering because your kid's not leading off from playing. I know, wish you know. I wish you could have been at my uh, my kids' lacrosse <laughs> pre- uh, games this season. I got a six year old and eight year old mm-hmm. now, Jim, and mm-hmm. there were some parents there that I was ready to fight just because <laughs> I was sick of hearing them get after these kids that were officiating the games. Well, I, I didn't do a whole lot. I did a little bit of that when my kids were young, but, but uh, you know, we always used to say we, we wanted to have a, you know, you have kids zones and, and that's what we like to have gr- parents zones and grandparents zones and make sure they were at least uh, 300 feet from home plate. <laughs> yeah, right. You'd keep them <laughs> you know? far enough away. But uh, It's a pretty good advice, though, I would say. Just be nice to the umpires who are not making a whole lot of money. These it's, are not... Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the one of the... Yeah, and, you know, and, and most people are... Most people... Can't handle it right. the right way. It's just that, uh, you know, when you see some some situations, I mean, I've, you know, you read something. It seems like you read stories all the time about uh, umpires or coaches even, you know, being assaulted by sure verbally sure. verbally abused is, yep. would be the new phrase. It's, it's, I don't think we used that phrase back then. 
58. Yeah, but we know. We know. We know. At this point, this is yeah. absurd. It's absurd. Sixty-five years. You've been writing, and, and again, everybody associates you with baseball. But you, you know, done far more things. I know your association with the Bullets. You've talked to me a lot about right. what those years. Meant I had to those. You. I was with the Bullets the the last five years. They were they were in Baltimore, and uh, of course, they, those were the you know in my my way of the way I judge that is that they were, they were the first five years of of Wes Unseld's career, mm-hmm. and I always tell people that uh, th- that you that you f- made Wes Unseld. That f- that's yeah, no, <laughs> no, that five year investment of my time was was uh, was worth getting just getting to know that guy. Uh, you know, forget forget the the rookie of the year MVP. Uh, uh, you know, all American. You know, just a just a great human being. I, yeah, if you did not read Jim's cover story a few years back about Wes Unseld and the Unsettled School, I would encourage you to search <laughs> for it me. right now because, yeah. again, given my I was born in '83, right. Jim. So yeah. I a lot of this is still history. You lesson. were born after this school started. I, that is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. And so a lot of this is a history lesson. And actually, for me. Michael Michael Oleska wrote the story about the school. I did, I did, but I did a, a companion cover, yeah. piece. With, yeah, that's right. That's right. With Wes, and you know, it's funny how you get you know when, you know, one of the great regrets of my life, uh, two of two of my best friends, uh, Wes Unseld and Vince Bagley, both passed away during that that pandemic time when you know I I was getting ready to have a hip replacement and uh, you know not being able to be part of uh, uh, you know celebrating sure of course there wasn't a whole lot really that was going on but uh, but I had I had seen Wes uh, in recent in recent years and uh, and I have I have children in, in Westminster who ran into him a lot up there because that's where he was mm-hmm. he was i mean he and he was just a he was a very special guy so but yeah i had i had five years there and it kind of interrupted uh you know i kind of i kind of wonder uh you know you never know what 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 might have happened but um as i said those those five years were that was a good investment of time so I wanted to, and, and it's you bring up Wes, and I think that he might show up on at least one of these lists. I wanted to kind of put you on the spot today. Mm-hmm. The well, he's definitely going to be on the, on the list you're going to ask All me. All right, yeah, so, so I wanted to give have you give me the top five athletes that you, in your 65 years, most amazed you. And I, I use that word loosely because yeah. I think it can cover right. part of what yeah. you're talking it about. You, yeah. it, gives you, it gives you a leeway. A hundred percent. So you can, you know, you can throw an Earl Monroe and a Gus Johnson in the, in the middle of that mix and, and it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it fits right in, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but, you know, uh, around just, uh, around just enough of, of people like Unitas and Barry and Lenny and, and, and Art Donovan and, and those, and those types you know, I did just enough football to, to be around. Uh, in the in those early years, we used to do a lot of first person stories. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the ghostwriter was yours truly on a lot of that. Really? Stuff. So, uh, so uh, you know, I had some Art Donovan bylines. Some, so yes, Art Donovan would write a some, story for somebody, the Sun, and it was somebody young. You know, that was these are news American days. These are these were these were back in the days when when first person stories were a big deal. So, I mean, I did. You know, like I did Hank Bauer during the 66 World Series. I mean, we had like that two or three, you know, what we call them, signer stories in those days. So, you know, there was a lot of those kind of stories written, and I was around enough of the, enough people like that, you know. Um, 
and you know Brooks, Brooks, you know Brooks and Cow are, are on are, are on those lists for in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I, I'll jump I'll I'll jump ahead of you a little bit because people always ask me who was who's the best player, mm-hmm. and and so and that's hard. I mean I, I mean I saw Mantle and I saw and I saw Mays at the end of his career, and uh, as a as a from a very distant, I never really saw DiMaggio. Uh, I mean, I saw him, but only through the through uh, the eyes of, of a young kid. You know, once or twice, maybe at Griffith Stadium. Um, the best the best player. I always this my the way I get around that is that the best player that I covered or that I was around throughout his career from beginning to end was Ken Griffey Jr. Okay, okay. And now that's pretty good company. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. Of that pick, That's I, I think call, everyone yeah. my age would tell you yeah. he was their favorite baseball player to watch. Was yeah. just the the joy. I talk a lot about the word joy and how much it does for me mm-hmm. in sports, yeah. right? And what right. I like watching, and part right. of the reason why I have I fell in love with Adam Jones was because you would see the joy, how much he genuinely loved <clears throat> playing the game, and you're starting to see it with Cedric right now, right? Like you're starting to see someone who's letting a little bit looser. He's been more uptight, you know, like he's been a bit more guarded. You're starting to see more of it. And the way he plays, his style of playing, is reflecting the joy that he has. He would tell you before he didn't like diving for balls, right? right. He hated doing that. Now all of a sudden he's doing it all the time. You know, it's interesting. Your pers- your perspective of that and mine are a little bit different. Okay. Uh, only in this way is that I see all that in the way he plays the game. Mm-hmm. I-, I-, I swear he's a guy that I don't see anything different when I look at his facial expressions sometimes. Right. He's, a, right. he's, very, he's, he's very stoic. Yep, he's very, guard, yep. And yet you can – and yet he comes out in the, in in subtle little ways, especially in in some post game stuff or something like that. But yeah, the way he plays the game, um, and to be honest with you, and what he has done, I mean, I and you, you know, look, I mean, going forward, thinking that it's probably gonna, you know, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't continue. But I have never seen anybody make the kind of transition that he's made, going from switch hitter to to straight up. You've seen some try it the other way, mm-hmm. uh, without without much success. And I've never seen anybody. Uh, Didn't he credit Buck for that? Didn't he say that it was Buck well, who you know, encouraged I, him uh, to do that? I think that that it was probably not. Uh, it was I, organizationally. I think he had been encouraged to do it. But, yeah. but you have to understand he he had been switch hitting since he was in high school. So, and obviously, I guess he was. Uh, and obviously, the right hand side was his was his weaker side, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and if you know if he can get it in play, it's gonna be it's gonna work. But it's not so much that, but it's the power. I mean, well, the power was already there, but but the power that he's shown against left handers because it's kind of like you know that pitch on the ins that's a tough pitch on the inside. To no question. And, and the pitchers are not having a whole lot of luck in there. No, with. so. Uh, you know, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm incredibly amazed at that. And I, I talked to to Hank Allen, who was scouting for the, you know, Dick's brother, and who scouted for a lot of years, and talked to him about. And he he said he he, he tried to switch. He says switch shooting is one of the toughest things, you know, you can imagine. He, I mean, and a lot of people will tell you that it is really something that's really tough to do. And I mean, Eddie Murray, Eddie Murray was a right-handed hitter. He, he was primarily a right-handed hitter, and so he had to, you know, go left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so to see guys have at, 
at that level. I mean, had the kind of careers that Eddie had. Kenny Singleton oh. had a great career oh. at switch hitter. Uh, you know, um, I mean, Dempsey tried it. I mean, Dempsey had had a you know some at bats left handed. You know, because he was just trying to figure out a way. I to don't remember that. Tried he, trying to figure out a way to uh, to actually the first time that first game he played batting left handed, he actually had an RBI, huh. but, but it was on an RBI, it was on an infield grounder, but. You know, it was it was one of those plays where you know get, get the guy over, get the guy in type of thing. But he he did. Uh, uh, it, it didn't. You know, he had Rick had trouble with the with that slider low and away. But <laughs> who didn't? I mean, yeah, yeah. really. So, so so Jim Henneman is in the studio with us today. You bring up Ken Griffey Jr. and it of course reminds me. I took my my two kids to the game last Saturday, and they're, they're eight and six. They're now finally at the age where they're actually kind of interested in right. the baseball part of right. it. Like they're not just there. We were there to get the the cap the Captain America bobblehead. But they it was the first time. Like they didn't want to go play on the playground. They wanted to watch the game. They're right. fault. They they now know the players. They they want to see Adley Rutschman. They want to see Gunnar Henderson. Um, and I took them out and I showed them all the baseballs on Utah Street. And I was showing them right. the Ken Griffey ball up on the the oh, warehouse. Okay, yeah. And it reminded me that you recently wrote about the home run that Gunnar Henderson hit and a reminder of one of the most famous home runs in Orioles history, which, of course, was the time that Frank Robinson hit the ball cleanly out of Memorial Stadium. Glenn, you know what you see? i tell you what's fun about being this old. <laughs> Is that it seems like every year there's a something that there's a five or 10 year or 20 year or 25 year anniversary okay. of something that happened. Yep. You know, I mean, we went through it. Uh, or or something significant that happened. Like in that particular thing you're talking about, I was sitting there and I, I was sitting in. The, I was sitting next to to uh, uh, Jacob Calvin Meyer, you know, sitting, the Sun, the sun yeah. Papers, and 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 we and we were sitting there and you know watching things that this kid had done and we they were kind of a little bit almost. And when he hit that ball, I mean, I, I looked at Jacob and he looked at me and I went, we didn't say a word. I mean, it was just like. You just saw just something, just like this. Yeah, you know, you just... I mean, and I and and it, uh, you know, as it, as the day went on, and and I started to think about it, I thought, why not? You know, why not? You know, now, I mean, the fact that it <laughs> is is the longest home run Everyone supposedly, yes, but we all, we know that for whatever reason, there's 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 at least one out there that's yep. closer to the wall than mm-hmm. than his is, so. Mm-hmm. So maybe we got to do some. Re- that, I mean, I don't know how. They, but see, that that goes back to estimations and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, and and what made it even better was on Frank's home run. I was one of the the leader in the clubhouse in the in the office the next day, saying, "There's no way that ball didn't go more than 451 feet. No, you know, it's impossible." Uh, I mean, it's 450 feet to dead center field. Correct. This ball cleared a fence, cleared yeah, the back gotta wall. It's got to be over a four, you know. So I, uh, if, if you went through the story, instead, instead of we go and, and bring surveyors in and we go spend two or three hours out there the next afternoon and they come up with 453 and six inches. <laughs> so, so we spent all this time for 30 inches to try to, to try to prove that the ball went more than 451 feet. So... So, and so balls are going to be hit farther in center field because that's just the nature of the swing sure, and, and, sure. and stuff like that. And it's harder to keep the ball fair down, you know, down the line. I, I, but I will say this: I, the the more what people and part of the reason for the discrepancy in the distance is these these things are now are projected as to where this ball 
would have traveled with the trajectory. Now, Tommy's home run, for instance, right. could have been coming straight down and dropping right there, whereas this home run is projected to go. And we're, what we what we forget is is that the field is 16 feet below sea level. And not sea level, Correct. but street yeah, level. Street level yes. So you project – so these distances are, are projections of – how far the ball would have traveled if unimpeded had not so, got yes if if the the stadium had not gotten in the exactly, way exactly right. you know so and the more I think about it and with the and with the dimensions and the and the uh, the angles and all the thing I honestly I I, I don't think that the warehouse is ever going to get hit wow that was where we were headed yeah. Yeah. you 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 don't think so I feel like when the when the stadium opened it was such an exciting enticing part. Right. Of hey, we're we're gonna see this, right. and then after about ten years, we kind of realize like, well, if it hasn't happened yet, it's it's probably never gonna happen. And of course, we know that Ken Griffey hit it during the home run derby, but that's that's a little bit of a different. Well, thing. and plus, I don't know about in '93, but but we we know that they used juice balls in, in a home run derby anyhow. hundred percent. So now whether they did it, but yeah, and they might have been using cork. Now bats here's the other thing too. Yeah. That was the same. That was the same. Home run derby, same year of the home run derby, that they had a celebrity home run derby hitting contest, and there was only one ball hit out of the ball hit hit out of the ballpark, and that and that was hit uh, by Selleck. Oh, really? And and the and the guy who got credit for hitting the longest ball was Michael Jordan, whose ball landed in center field. Oh, okay, and, and it just didn't go out of the ballpark. Got I'm it. like, wait a minute, it's a home run hitting contest. There's one ball goes over the fence. Excuse me. When was that around the time that Selleck did miss the, the the baseball movie? Was that around the time he did? Was that Mr. Baseball? I don't know, but it was, was around called? the time and he was he was taking BP in a lot of different. Okay, ballparks. so he was really yeah. like, he was a Detroit guy. He was yeah, a big Tiger fan. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was. But but yeah, he hit a he hit a ball over the over the scoreboard in right field and didn't win the contest. You know, which <laughs> because it wasn't quote unquote the longest ball that was hit, but that's. Not what a home run. Yeah, <laughs> a, the idea is to hit a home run. I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> you know, so, so but that, you're convinced that, that it's even after seeing gunners. Well, first of all, they say that right down the line, it's like only four thirty something, which you know, uh, you know. But that's keeping the ball dead inside in inside the foul line. And but for every five or ten feet you go to the left, that warehouse, the, the angle. I mean, even though the the the, the the angle of the warehouse is not changing. The, no. the warehouse is as straight as an arrow. But right. but but the angle coming it off goes the bat further. and the way it is. Yeah, I think it's going to take. And and again, pr- projecting that it's it's sixteen. You know, the base of that thing is sixteen feet higher than the home plate. I mean, like Frank, the ball that Frank hit in theory. You know, this is home plate, and this is where the ball landed. It, it was literally this. You know, the same same height. So there was no. Uh, there's no question about a, a projection of how far it would have gone. They kind of know how where mm-hmm. it went. We know where it landed. So it was at the same level. In this particular case, if Frank's ball was hit and it was it would be up here, you know, 16 feet higher. That you know, then you could throw whatever the projection would be. Probably probably throw another 20, 30, whatever. Okay. Yeah. You know. So yeah. So hey, you know, make sure. Oh, makes, makes for a good conversation. It would be <laughs> it would be electric if it were to happen. It would be amazing. Well, but. if it yeah, if, but but here's the other thing about it. When, when Frank's ball left the ballpark, there's two things about this. When Frank's ball left the ballpark, 
we were only it was, we were only twelve years into it. It was only our thirteenth year. Wow, that's right. And so 60s, yeah, the yeah. Camden Yard is thirty some years gone, and it hasn't been hit Correct. yet. Correct. And here's the other thing: if it does get hit, it's going to get hit probably in, in in the in the lower three feet. Of yeah, the bottom. Right. Nobody's going to be able to see it except somebody that happens to be standing there because. It'd be impossible. Just, That's a great point. You you won't be able to see it. So it won't be a great made for TV moment. No, it'll just no, be. But but like the like the like what I what I was gonna do the other day, and I I didn't once I found out that Tommy's marker is actually a little bit closer to the warehouse than than, than Gunners than yeah. Gunners was. I was gonna go out and and kind of half walk it off to how far. I'm more interested in how far it was actually from the base of the warehouse, you know. Yep. You know, so, yep. and I still might, you know, I still might do it, but it, it kind of dulled my, I understand, my, dulled my enthusiasm and my back said, nah, <laughs> I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah. Jim yeah. Henneman is in studio with us this morning here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Jim, I want to talk about this year's team, um, okay. and I want to do it in the context of they did av- avoid the sweep yesterday, and that was a gutty win, obviously, in Chicago after things were not going so well to start the game. And a lot of teams, it would have been easy to kind of say, all right, this wasn't our weekend, but they did a great job of bouncing back. But they've lost four out of their last seven series now after a strong start. So when we come back in, I just want to discuss, is there anything that needs to change? Is there something, you know, they're going to get Cedric Mullins back, but is it time for Gunnar Henderson, sorry, not Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser trying to, Give the offense a little bit of a kick. I want to discuss that. When we come back. When we come back, yeah. <laughs> Jim Henneman is here with us. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books here in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the area sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. The legendary Jim Hanneman in studio with us today here on GCR. Of course, you can read all of his stuff at PressBoxOnline.com. Jim, uh, the Orioles do indeed avoid the sweep in Chicago. And I do think there's something to be said for. It feels like this team, whenever they're one loss away from there being some real reason for concern, and I think the Milwaukee series stands out as another example of this, like whenever they're a loss away from us saying, boy, they're – there might be some real issues here. They always tend to figure out a way to get a win to prevent prevent there from being disaster. It was it's been pointed out by a lot of people. They still haven't been swept in a series since Adley Rutschman arrived in Baltimore. And I, not being swept is not a particular you know celebration or demarcation point. But I do think it is noteworthy in the grand scheme of how things have turned for this franchise. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the, the, the point that I – and I, I kind of was fascinated by a lot of what I think you're talking about. I mean, number one, I went back and did some checking with some people at Elias about a couple of thoughts that I had. But what we forget, this team has been in second place continuously since I think the 13th or 14th of April. Mm-hmm. Um, when they lost the first game in a series to Tampa Bay, three to nothing on June, whatever. I, yeah. I, I looked at this last night. They were six and a half games behind, out of behind and out of first place. They have not been that far out of first place since. since. Yeah, and they are closer now than than they have been. I, and this is during a period of time now. Tampa Bay is no longer playing at a seven hundred level. But I went back and had the people of the check this for me to, to find a team playing 700 or better. Now, if you remember, the Yankees were playing like 735, the and there was nobody mm-hmm. within sight. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Tampa Bay, through all this time, now they've, they've dipped under 700 now in the, in the, in the last week. Uh, a team playing 700 ball front with a minimum of 65 games, uh, 65 games in the season. You'd have to go back to 1954. Holy smoke! To find a team better than the less than six games out of. So out not of, even that Mariners team from a one that won. No, yeah, no. and I and I didn't do and 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 the other part of it is at this point in the season, you'd have to go back over 100 years. Wow. Or, or actually, and I, and I, when I say at this point, it actually the the given point was more like 
eight or nine games ago. It was around the 65-game stretch for one team or the other. I forget. But the bottom line is, is that as good as Tampa Bay has played, uh, they've, they, they've had a six-and-a-half game. They've had over a, a six-game lead like three or four days. Mm-hmm. Which is really kind of amazing. The, the Orioles have managed to keep enough and pressure and, just and, by, and, and they've been there by themselves. Now, I know that you're saying because I know I've said it a zillion times. You feel like there's more in the tank. You feel like there's always there from the get go. There's something was missing. The right out of the get go, the the fifth starting spot was a, was a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this was a mess. That was a mess. And even and now, you know, sitting 17 games over 500 and and five games out. Uh, you know, no Mullins. Uh, everybody is kind of down on, you know, the Mount Castle thing is, you know, him hitting 120. I mean, you didn't, whatever, 220 or whatever. Obviously, that doesn't work. But the 11 and 39, which have been there forever, it seems like the home runs in the RBIs tell you that he had a lot to do with what happened in those early weeks. You so, a good start. So I always said, you know, I, I mean, I just don't think this lineup looks as dangerous as it does with him in it somewhere along the line. And huh. obviously, you want him, you'd want him hitting more than what he's been hitting in in his last whatever 20, 25 games. But given all that, they're five five games out, and and everybody everybody it seems like that's into the thing is clamoring for, you know, not just one guy, but but. Two or three guys to to come up and 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 play. Now look, O'Hearn, O'Hearn has done about as good a job as you could possibly hope for him, but probably shouldn't be playing in the outfield. But the probably back, no, well, not. The, yeah, I didn't really understand yeah. where that where that play was. But the reason he was, I mean, Lester uh, apparently is is more of a, a corner infielder than than playing in the outfield. Mm-hmm. And and the ball in the outfield. I mean, the ball he, he just missed. You know, I mean, the ball just or the the ball missed his glove. Let's put it that way. And but you know the play right before that was also, you know I'm not going to say those were plays that should have been made, but they could have been made. Well, let's you know let's say that's fair. So, that's fair. Yes. You know, and that's a you know that that's the official score. I mean, coming <laughs> coming out. But but I do think that the, the uh, you know the, the ball and Lester in the dugout. It's a little tough to give a guy an error on that play. But I thought O'Hearn's ball was an error. I thought that you know that was that was the right call. Uh, so given all that. We went Whisper. We went Calder, uh, uh, Calton, uh, Hurstead. I, you know, but I, you, th- those guys. There's not enough room for all those guys. No, now, certainly not. Now I just saw. You know, Stephen Lesky wrote a thing today about there's a lot of movement going on in the minor leagues. Prieto has gone from Bowie to Norfolk. I'm sure, and, and he's a guy that has been overlooked in this thing from the get go. 100 because he's older. He, and he was an older. And he's inter- not very big. Inter- like- international sign, but he was a second baseman. And in and and had played and came from Cuba and you you kind of had a few and this guy may be closer because sure. this is around he came he was signed around the same time that that well he was in the first uh, class was he? he was in the first international yeah, signing class yeah, the but, well yeah but he was not really I mean well oh he wasn't a high dollar no he, guy. no because yeah. he was like twenty one right I mean the, you know the first classes you know they're fifteen or sixteen years old you know that's another whole thing we don't really want to go there because those guys are getting get signed but he was a guy you said he might be closer because Westberg for instance and and these other guys were just starting their mm-hmm. careers and this guy had played in Cuba so my guess is he's gone to to 
to Norfolk, he's going to play. If he's going to so, play, so you think that means somebody, somebody's yes. coming up. You know, now I, if I had to read something into this right now, the, the way it looks, because Ortiz is already up here, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot from what people have told me and what I've heard, you know, he's he's a shortstop. You know, who's a shortstop who maybe can move around with, but primarily he's a shortstop. So I kind of thought that he might be the the placeholder for Holiday for for you know that it, come that, it, that it might be time to but move. But now I'm thinking that Henderson might be that guy. And and the funny thing of it is, so I've been thinking about this. The other guy started to hit the ball again. Well, Mateo. I mean, I mean he started to hit the ball. I mean, he, a little bit, yes. Well, I mean yeah, he, he, he drove right. in a pretty You're right. big run. You're in, right. In There's no game. doubt. Yesterday, you know, did. I mean, you know, he he get thrown out on a t- on a tough play, but I mean he's 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 hit the ball. Halfway decent, so I thought he was safe. Though. But I, mean, I still think he was safe. Yeah. Well, he might have been, but you know, hey, if it takes over thirty seconds or whatever, yeah, that's, whatever they say, they're going to just. But he again, he's another guy who's, you know, who's a quote unquote center field possibility. I mean, you know, a lot so, of these guys are probably. I mean, you know, you look back at the history of guys like Robin Yount and Paul Blair. And, and Mickey Mantle and, and guys who are interchangeable in the middle of the field as shortstops or center fielders, not suggesting that that, that necessarily is going to happen. But my, my guess is, I mean, I mean looking at this thing, Urias, uh, I mean, I don't know. There are days, I mean, he's he can be 0 for 4 with 4Ks or he or he's plays great defense yep. and drives in some key runs. So. Yep. You know, I think what I, you're talking about, Jim, it, it's difficult to say who's the guy you're completely casting off I'm not off kicking him to the, to the right. curb, and I'm not right. kicking Frazier to the curb. Right. But, but there again, there's also the DH spot to work into the play, but that's also where uh, – thing. and I think maybe in, in effect down the road, especially with the heat and all, that they may wean Adley out of that DH a little bit just to give, just him, give, him, three to, days just off. give him a little bit right. of a break. Because like, it's a good thing they had a couple of off days coming up now because he's going to catch – you know, the rest Basically, of the week, yes. you know, for the next week or so. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, again, I say if Prieto's going to Norfolk, th- that tells me Westberg is, is, coming, is up. coming up here and, and maybe as soon as tomorrow. And presumably he's not coming up to play sparingly. He's, gonna, no. he's coming up he, to play yeah, every he, day. And then so that could be – he could – now, he can play second or third. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he – from what I, I gather, if if – if it was between he and Henderson, you're going to play Henderson at short and and play him the other. But I do think Henderson's still young enough, and and with the way everybody talks about Holiday, why you 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 got to think down the road he's, he's ultimately going to be the guy. Which means that sooner or later you got to come up with a, you got to decide where Henderson's going to play. And and my guess is that ultimately is going to be third base, and Westberg is probably ultimately going to be second base, which. Which leaves short. It, so then, it, 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 I guess the question would be: Are you better off just having those guys play those positions now, not have Henderson play short, have Mateo Ortiz play short, and and have those other guys play the positions well, we, you think? You know, we're trying to improve a team that's seventeen games over five. I hear you. And, I hear you. It's hard. Uh, listen, I'm I, I'm on the one part of me. I'm with I'm with what, what people are saying, but at the same token, you know. I mean, Westberg has done it at AAA, and so he doesn't have a lot more to prove. But so so did Henderson, and we know that Henderson had. It you took know, a little while. To, you know, he had to make a little bit of an adjustment. So it's not like he's going to come up here and no. do the same thing. I think that so, that might be part of the reason why, though, you want to see it now, Jim, is the idea of if you're going to if you're going to need some time to adjust, it's better in June and July than it would be in September, right? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But by the same token, 
you're not going to – the guys that you're playing, you're not going to be concerned about playing in, in August and September, I wouldn't think. I mean, because, number one, I mean, in Urias' case, he you know he played there last year, and, and Treasures has been around enough. I mean, Treasures, his overall numbers are not – they don't knock your eyes out. But, you know, he's, he's stuck a couple of RBIs in, 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 in along the way, and he's played certainly played good enough defense that – uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, but I can see a platoon situation there. I'm starting make it make it easy for for to use right. Westberg, and then maybe use Westberg against right-handers as occasionally as a. Uh, I mean, if, if Urias is in the lineup, then he probably should be in the field. There's no point in him not being in the Correct. field. Correct. So, um, but yeah, I, I suspect that, that that something's going. You know, that something is. I I would be shocked. If the roster is not changed in the next 24 hours. I also, we, we did a, over on 105.7 yesterday, we did a special Father's Day show, and we had uh, Colton Kowser's dad on, Dale Kowser, I've gotten mm-hmm. to know a little bit. And I did not know that Colton's, the last week or two, been playing a lot more right field. Of course, we've always, Colton's been, a, we've thought of him right. as the center fielder, right. and the thought was at some point maybe Cedric Mullins might have to move right. to right field. But I wonder if they're thinking about, hey, when Cedric comes back, we'd actually rather have Colton Kowser in right field. Well, and let, let me get let me get on record with this. There's nothing wrong with the guy that's playing right field right now. I I he certainly Santander is a pretty good outfielder. We saw the play that he made up against the wall in that Saturday game. My and, kids are still talking about that yeah. catch. They're so enamored with it. And he's got. And we've a, always known the arm is. He's got a good arm. Yes. And yeah, he, he's. I mean, I think that he's the guy that they use to replace just because they want to use. McKenna in certain spots, mm-hmm. but I don't like, I don't like to see him giving up potential at bats in in a close game. You I, know, th- this you know. is where I'm wondering a, if um, I I'm wondering, and I understand what you're saying about Ryan yeah. Mountcastle, but I'm yeah. wondering if they're coming to more of a. We don't know if we can have Ryan Mountcastle hit against righties when he comes back. Moment. Well, you know, you've, you you you've. I, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that they probably would not rush into doing anything, but. You know, it's not like they've they've set the world on fire during his no during fair. his stretch. Right. So uh, I, I'm not giving up on him. You know, I, I mean, I a lot of people are, and, and and if if a lot of people had their way, you'd get rid of him to to make room for somebody, and you'd either get rid of Frazier or Urias to, mm-hmm. to make room for somebody, and you'd get rid of who, who only knows what. And I mean, I'm sure that people, you know. Two weeks ago, when I said, you know, would you, would you get rid of Hicks? To, yeah, there's no reason for Hicks I mean, to be on the team to begin with. I mean, with, right, right now, Hicks is, you know, I mean. Yes, he, he's been one of their most consistent. He's a cheap free agent. He's got two more years left on that contract, plus an option year. Uh, plus a, and it's a team option. Wow, jeez. So, now, that's not to say. I'm, and I'm not sure how how much faith I have that this is going to continue. I no, don't... no, I, I get that, because he's had his share of, mm-hmm. of, of soft contact hits, but he's also – Hit some balls yep. pretty crisply to, in, in key situations too. So, and on top of it, he, he's a—I uh, don't know whether he, whether he elites the word or not, but he's a very good outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, he's played center field. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he's not Mullins going to get the ball probably, but he's not far behind it, and he does have a better arm. You know. So, so let me go to another area. I'm writing about the day for press box. Okay. And I'm sure you'll be thrilled to talk about uh, innings limits. I'm sure that'll be a very exciting topic oh, yeah. for you, Jim Henneman. Oh, I got, yeah. Uh, Tyler Wells. That's, one, that's on my list. A couple <laughs> of things, yeah. 
Tyler Wells has been outstanding this right. season. He's right. been uh, incredible. He obviously leads all of baseball in whip, walks, and hits per innings right. pitched right. by more than a tenth of a right. percentage point. I right. mean, it's it's remarkable. He's 183 batting average against is second in baseball behind only Shohei Otani. He's improved his strikeout numbers. I think it's now six of his last seven starts. He's had step seven strikeouts or more. The the trend is significant on top of the totality. He has not only had his best season, he's pitching unbelievably well of late. He's also only 22 innings away from matching his innings total from a year ago. He's never pitched more than 119 innings in a season. He's going to get to that if he continues to pitch every fifth game he's going to get to that total from a year ago by well before the all-star break and as much as we can get frustrated about it we can be sure that the Orioles are going to have a number that's a limit for them for this season whether that's 140 150 160 whatever it is I've talked to a bunch of people and I've gotten the sense that it could be anywhere between 40 to 60 more innings than a year ago would be a reasonable number what do you do about Tyler Wells? I, I, I'm not. I'm not buying that. Number okay. one, uh, because number one, Tyler is is. And I don't mean to be mercenary about this, but he's 28 years old. He's a big guy. Uh, he's a big, strong guy. He's been through the surgery processes. He's been through the the build up processes. And I, I think that I, I think that really he's he's at that point in his career where the harness is off. Okay. I think the training wheels are gone. And uh, now. That doesn't mean that they're going to let him pitch more than six innings, mm-hmm. uh, which, believe me, I, and I, I, the, the indications that I get, and I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to him directly, but I get the impression listening to him, you know, that he's not necessarily done at the end of six innings. And there are times when I mean, last time out, he obviously went into the seventh, probably would have right. finished the seventh you had know, he not had to face a guy that already hit two home runs. And I, you know, and, and the home run, yeah, and and the home runs are a, a, it's an issue. Yeah, is an issue because you you could. You know, as good as the whip is, the home runs make the whip yep. less impressive. Because, I, you know, because that, he's got a, plus, a three yeah. plus ERA with yeah. that whip because right. he's given up right. that many home runs. However, so. there's a, there's a lot of things in the pitcher stats that don't make any sense. I mean, you know, they keep. I mean, they, they talk about the, the guys strikeouts per nine innings. Why why do we talk about strikeouts per nine innings when nobody pitches nine innings anymore? That's fair. How many innings? You know, per. How many strikeouts per inning? Yeah, I mean, you know, that it's uh, that that really has never made any sense to me because uh, you're, you're comparing uh, a, a Tyler Wells or or a, a Jared, I'm not or, Jared, that, or Jared Kurt to a Sandy Koufax, right? Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I'm on, not convinced you know. that Palmer couldn't still give you nine innings if he needed at this point. I'm yeah, not, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and Jim was not a strikeout pitcher, right? You know, I, I mean, which kind of comes a little bit. I mean, I know it almost came to a shock to me even when. When I realized that he had never struck out two hundred batters in the season, it, right? you know, but to to go back to, to the other thing, I, you know, I think Tyler Wells and and to a lesser degree, I mean, these guys are 27, 28 years old now. This is not, you know, this is not, uh, you know, protecting uh, a twenty three year old a Bundy or, yeah. or a Gosman or you know or 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 those kind of guys, which as we know didn't work out either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're. Everybody has these philosophies about innings limits, but they don't seem to be curtailing anything. They don't seem to be uh, preventing injuries. And it's, like, I, it's like this thing with well, Hall. I have no idea what this this the thing deloading. is. Deloading, yeah. That's I, I don't. I, and I think uh, he's down there too. So it's like 
throwing on the back on the mm-hmm. backfields. How is that does, helping does you prepare count, for? It doesn't count. Um, I, I don't know. Now I'm sure they have their reasons. You know, they they got. It's just like you know with with G Rod. I mean, I think his I think his training wheels were off too. I don't think he was on any innings limits. But I would you know I would like to see guys. I I watched. I was watching his game on computer on the television on a computer. Mm-hmm. The, the, so were we actually this last yeah. outing. And and when the six you know the, the six inning came and landed and he was gone. And I'm like, why? Why let him go back? You know, because you got to you know somewhere online you have to learn to get through those third, those you yeah. know push the thing so that it, it's not I don't I don't I, it's a bad analogy I guess but if you're if you're a training guy you're talking all you're talking about is starting pitchers and and they they don't go far enough well they don't go far enough because when it comes to the sixth inning you go ahead and go get them right they talk about facing the lineup three times going through the lineup three times. So do you know that if you – to pitch six innings and not go – the only way you can go not go through the is lineup – to get everybody out. Is to be perfect. Yes. You have to be perfect. So you have to face 18 guys for six innings. Yep. That's the only way to do that. It's – you know, and, and, and these numbers about when they do face guys a third time – who, they're facing the top of the order. So that, that one of the reasons about the opener thing is if if you do get to the third time, at least you're maybe at the back end of the, of the lineup, you know. Uh, I don't know. Is it over overthinking, over whatever? I don't like the idea of, of saying I'm not going to go more than six innings with the guy because that automatically means you're going to use the – way, the way the game is being played, and, and this is not – I think Hyatt has done a marvelous job with this team. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's the way the game is played today. It's not just here. It's, it's everywhere. I just look for somewhere online for somebody to say, hey, if you, we use four pitchers every game – Somebody, somebody's not going to have it. I mean, somebody, you know, you're going to, you, you, what you're basically saying is that you got to bring three guys in and they all got to get three guys out. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. It's just, uh, you know, that's hard to do. And it, and if you only go five innings, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, so I, you know. So, so let me go to two things that you brought up within that context. I, I, you brought up Brandon Hyde. Mm-hmm. I think there is still a bit of a jury out on Brandon Hyde as being the guy to guide the Orioles to a World Series title. He's obviously done a remarkable job. And I made a comparison to John Harbaugh that I, I don't know what John Harbaugh's X's and O's strength is, but I know that he's been around a lot of winning teams, and he's there's been a winning culture that has surrounded the Baltimore Ravens the entire time that John Harbaugh's been the coach. And that matters to me. Whatever the X's and O's are, the fact that the culture has been a winning culture matters. And I'm feeling something similar with Brandon Hyde, which is – I can't tell you definitively what he does that makes him a good manager, and I certainly have questions every now and then about certain decisions well, that are made. All you got to do is be more active on, on social media. Well, yeah, sure. You That's, can find out what, yeah. what it is. I mean, every look, every time you make a when, when you when you're pitching, when you use pitching the way that it's being used mm-hmm. in this game today, every every time you make a move, you're going to be is going to be vulnerable because yep. it, the, the the one guy that doesn't pitch good, I mean, is. Is going to be is going to be your whatever. Now I will say this: if last year had it been the same kind of year as the year before or, or close to yeah, it, yeah, you think he would have been? He probably would have yeah. been in trouble. Mm-hmm. He probably would have been. And 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 I don't really know that. But I, I, if you go back and look at at, at expansion. 
teams or expansion lake teams. He's lasted longer than, I mean, when you stop and think about it, I mean, Houston, you know, all those places. I mean, the, even the places that Buck went, were, which weren't expansion teams, mm-hmm. but they were teams that, that were coming in. I mean, it's almost unheard of, five years, you know, the, to it, go five years. There's clearly a commitment with Brandon Hyde and, here. And he had situation. well, he had the pandemic thing, which, mm-hmm. which crazy enough, ended up being, was really not the best thing to happen because they were pretty, that, for what it was, they were decent. You know, a little short. Yeah, it's a good point. They actually played some decent baseball. And in, yeah. ni- in 19, is, and I'll never forget this, in, in, 20, in 2019, his very first spring, his very first spring, the best player on that team, that whole spring training, without question in my mind, was Austin Hayes. And he was, he was sent out, I, I'm convinced, as much to let's not get – too anxious to get this clock, this guy's clock mm-hmm. one. Let's get him out and get him some time, and we'll bring him up a little. And then he went out and got hurt, never got back up that year. Missed the whole next year. So he and so, I'm not saying that that's why he got hurt because it wasn't obviously. Right. Uh, but we're we're starting to see a little bit more now. I mean, I to me he's he's as good an all around player when you take in the defense and, and mm-hmm. all the other, you know, the, the running. Incredibly ability. consistent hitter, uh, you know, range. He, he, yeah. he, he, now, I mean, is he a 320 hitter? I, you know, I don't. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, he's not an OB. He's not an OB guy, uh, yep. you know, from what from what. And they obviously say. somebody's going to point out, hey, he got off to a really good start a year ago and he couldn't sustain it for the entirety of the season, so we need well, to see him do that, you know. And, and, and they, there's always a thing, you know, like his – He's hitting three. Like I looked at, his, he's hitting three twenty, and his only base percentage is three sixty. Well, you know, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, you know, eight, you know, batting average plus eighty points." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Say, well, let me ask you a question. W- would you rather have? Would you rather have a, a, a two eighty hitter, you know, who's who's on yep. base percentage is you know three sixty, or you want a three twenty hitter who's on base percentage, you know, yes. whatever? So, I mean, I, I, I'm a more good things can happen when you get hits, if, is your point, yes. If, if the guy's coming to the batter's box with a tying run on third and less mm-hmm. than two outs, I mm-hmm. want the guy to get the hit, not mm-hmm. the guy that walks. So, uh, and, and that's, I mean, and, and the perfect combination to the things from what we've seen is, is Adley. I mean, there's, there's no question no, about that. No. And yet, you could, there was an, a, a startling statistic that they threw up on the, on the thing yesterday that he had taken 145 first-pitch strikes. Now, when you, I mean, that's, so, when you stop and consider his the plate appearances was like in the three hundreds or you know or something. Now you know there's a lot of those first pitches were also ball. Mm-hmm. It means, and yet, and yet, the hit that drove in the last that drove in the last run was 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 on the first and the, and the, and the at bat before that, he had taken a he had taken a pitch right at the knees and then the sec, and the next pitch was a little bit below and, and he went out. But the the last the last time up, he was all over the first pitch. So. You know, interesting. I'm not, That's interesting. You know, so I'm giving him, you know, I mean, my, I was one of those things, you know, maybe he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, but he, he's too good. I'm not going to, you know, I'm he not, works in a bat, man. There is something about just watching Adley Rutschman yeah. working at bat. But that was, a, that was a startling statistic. That is, I did not realize the I number mean, was that I, high. I mean, yeah. it's not something that, I mean, the, the, the problem, I asked, I asked uh, Rich Newberg the other day, I said, Rich, every time I pick up, a paper, you know, or the computer, or read something. <laughs> Today, there's always there's something every single day that never happened before in the history of the game, because of what they can do. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, look at this! This guy did this. This guy did that. And it's three games, five games, six games, one week. You know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, whatever. 
so they can they can find so much today that has never been done before. It's uh, it, it's kind of crazy. But so but that statistic when they threw that up there, I said you know I don't even know whoever who even would have thought to look that up. But he was a, he was a notorious non first pitch yep, swinger. Correct. We correct. know that. Yep. Uh, and but I found that to be because it it was it was not half of his plate appearances, but, but it's it was a close. Significant number. I yeah, hear that. It was close. So. Let, let's let's wrap with that, Adley. What, what, what's your sense? It, we all know how special it's been, but it's not something you can define easily with one statistic. There's not no. one thing that you can no. say. Here's why no. Adley Rutschman is. You know, Johnny Bench, here's why. You can't find a number that does it. How do you define who Adley Rutschman is, why his presence has been so significant to how the Orioles have turned this thing around? I I think the the thing you can say about him is is because he's been as advertised. I mean, he's been everything that everybody said he was. And to me, from a distance, to me, the, the thing that's most impressive, apparently, from what I can tell, is the way he's accepted by everybody else. I mean, I think that, you know, when you have when you have 21, 22, 27, 28-year-old guys that look looking the same way at a guy who's 25 uh, and doing the things that I think I think that says a lot. Um, I think his throwing could be better. You know, uh, I'm not I'm I'm I I have serious I, I hate the, the all the framing stuff mm-hmm. because I think a I, strike should be a strike, and a ball should be a you ball. You watch yeah. guys, and you, you're saying you can see what I'm saying. Everybody catches the everybody catches the ball. The, 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 you know, this is how you. They, they, yep. They're yep. they're taught to catch a ball with a snap. Mm-hmm. You remember J.J. Hardy when when Buck would talk about J.J. Hardy caught throws a he caught he he snapped the ball from the top over. He didn't he didn't catch the ball down here and then touch it. He he was on top of the ball. Taking the ball down, and that's the that's the way they're they're taught to catch it. And I I know I know enough umpires to know that an umpire's going to say if they if they think a guy is yes is is trying to steal a strike, they'll tell him that's going to cost you. Hmm. That's going to cost you hmm. more than it's going to help you. You know, don't don't be trying to you know, especially if if a guy does that and then he and he freezes it and holds it for a period of time, especially if you feel like you know they both know. I'm I mean the strike zone. I mean, I don't know if if we get to automatic strike zones. What I want to know is is the is the is the uh, is the technology going to call the strike zone the way it's written, it's written in the because, in the book? Correct. Or is it going to be good enough that it's going to say, well, most of the ball has to be inside? Hmm. Because right now, the a seventeen inch a seventeen inch wide plate. Is twenty three plus inches. Correct, because the ball goes because off. Yep. any any part of so if you when you I I said you take the the strike zone that you see in the box and you put a ball up here and you put a ball there, this ball up here to a right handed hitter is unhittable, uh, and this one down here is pretty much unhittable, and this one down you put those those four circles around around the box, are they all going to be strikes? Right, because later the law. If they are, batting averages are gonna are gonna yep. plummet. Yep. I mean, it's it. So it would it would be. And I mean, I watch. I mean, as much as I love the to to watch to, to listen to Palm to Jim, I'm gonna say Jim, you, you're ta- you're talking about how, what a bad call is. But this pitch is a strike. Oh, he was all over Cousins the other day. You know, oh my God, nah, he was you know, killing Cousins. Now Cousins stunk nah. on Saturday, but um, he was all over. Well, there are times I didn't even know who I didn't even know who was back there. I just yeah. know everybody. Well, actually. 
I thought when well, receiver, you see Buckner was behind. Oh, it was Buckner. Buckner. It wasn't yeah. Cousins. It Buckner. was Buckner. That's Buckner, right. Thank yeah. you. That's exactly who it was. Right. It was Buckner on Saturday, and oh, he was all over him. God, he was killing him. But again, he stunk. He was. That wasn't. That wasn't balls that were on the edge. That was balls that were. But you know, I, four I, inches off I the saw, plate. I mean, I watched uh, a lot of the stuff, and I've been watching a lot of college the college baseball. You don't. They don't. They don't throw that that box up there mm-hmm. as, as much. Um, you know, when you look at when you look at those at that box when it's up there, and you say, "I'm looking at, the, at when you see the pitch live, and you're like saying, okay, that's that's a ball because that's been a ball for 50 years or 100 years or whatever," and and you see it resting right on that on the edge. So I, you know, I have some some you know some question about what will happen there if they ever go to automatics. I mean, everybody wants. So one thing I saw one by the guy, this guy was getting roasted. He said. His his rating for this game was ninety four percent, and I'm like ninety four percent. I mean, and it was like, and and I, I went and looked at one of those things that you. There's so many of these websites. You yeah, know, the umpire charts, right? Yeah, awful announcing, awful umpiring, awful <laughs> awful writing, awful you know, awful directing. Awful, yes, correct. You know, whatever, and and you go. We're, we're proud to say we've made all of those lists. Yeah, of it's course. A, it's a, an amazing accomplishment from Glenn Clark Radio. But the one they said, well, what's the average? They said, well, the average the umpire is like is like 96 percent, and I'm like saying, well, 96 percent. That, that a guy's calling three hundred pitches a game. You know, he's missing. You know, he's missing. You know what? Twelve yeah, pitches a game. It's or not something? that bad, right? I hear you. I, I mean, hear you. Come on, so. Jim Henneman. Uh, I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us this morning, hey. sir. This is a lot of fun. I would love to do this again. As long as you don't, as long as you don't put a muzzle on me, I'm fine. I let it, oh, we'll <laughs> let you go all the time. We'll always willing to let you go. Uh, you said you're going to be writing something this week. You had some notes. I'm going to work on that. I, I want to work on that. Set, on that so you know the thing I wanted to try to get that for you know for this little series coming up. This series again. You know, you talk about games. I had the the, sa- the game they the ten to two game. Mm-hmm. Which really wasn't mm-hmm. a ten to two game mm-hmm. until until it got ugly at the end. That was one of those games that when it's over, you, you go, man, that 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 game left a really bad taste in your mouth. You know, t- tonight's game is really is really important. And then they go and lose a game on a thing where where uh, a was strike, drop th- strike yeah, three. Yeah, well, it wasn't in that drop. drop. It was wasn't in the dirt. Drop. Right. It was in the dirt. But it was a strike three mm-hmm. and and a two out walk. Yep. Where, and yep. And 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 then a base hit and and it's two runs. You know. And then, and and they lose that game. And then O'Hearn and now, missed a home run yeah. by five feet or whatever. And then you watch the game yesterday. And then when I saw the two plays, and all of a sudden you know they're they're down three to two, and you're like, you know what, this is the kind of game that you know you just can't. And, and so that's impressive when they come back. And I, I have to be honest with you, they, they win games like that. I mean. I mean, this is not the 27 Yankees lineup. Sure. Right. Know. It's not murderers. So, I get that. I mean, yes. I, I love what O'Hearn's doing, but he's not a number four hitter. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I mean, the back of his card doesn't say that he's going to do right. what he's been doing any more than the back of Hicks's card says he's going to continue to do. Although he, you know, he, he said it. So th- there's some maneuverability there. There's no question. I mean, Lester, you know, had, had you know, I don't know. I mean, I got to think he's kind of on the bubble. I think so right too. Here, yes. And I think that could be the Westberg, you know, the the Westberg thing. Uh, if they want to, you know, Santander, they've, they've used him in the first base. I, you know, it's it. He's given Santander a, a day off yesterday, but 
you know, I'm like you. I mean, that. I mean, he catches that ball yesterday. You hey. know, you know, no brainer. And maybe he. And maybe if he's at first base, he might have caught that one too. Who knows? <laughs> right. But you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's unfair, but that's kind of what happens. I mean, you know, what we say when when we say could have, uh, most everybody's saying should have. Yep. You know. Yep. And. Uh, and if you, you didn't do that, so go to Norfolk. Well, but it, to, to their credit, even O'Hearn after that, like everybody contributed yesterday. Yeah, everybody, absolutely. Everybody yeah, contributed. Yeah, I mean, he got the inning yep, started. Correct. Yeah. yeah so. Everyone contributed in that. Yeah. So. Great to see you, sir. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Love, I enjoy your stuff. Would love to do I, And I always, I got to say this about Jim. Jim has no need to say anything nice mm-hmm. to anybody else. He doesn't have to do that. Oh, he is, the, he's a legend. No, but, no, don't, no. Don't, but, trust me. Don't, don't, don't. Stop. You know, don't Stop. Over, don't overdo that. No, Jim, I, Jim will always reach out and say, hey, I really enjoy it. And it means the I hope you know that means the world. It means the world. Listen, I you had know. people that I, I try to, the young guys, I, I, I try to, I try to re- remember to, to be, uh, treat young guys the way I was treated when I was young. So, uh, and so in the case, of what you're talking about is, and any of your friends, anybody who's listening to this thing, if you haven't read, Glenn's thing on the astronaut. Well, I go get it. That was that was that was Reed awesome. I was trying to tell. That was Gr- awesome. I was yeah. trying to explain to Griffin how that was the most excited I was to talk to anybody, yeah. anybody all year long. I can get was that. To talk to Reed Wiseman. You know, I met. I mean, '66. Gus Grissom was uh-huh. hang, was hanging out mm-hmm. with, with with us, and I was. I remember Billy Hunter and my and I was there. A couple of coaches, and we're sitting around, and all we wanted to talk about was was space, and all he wanted to talk about was, was baseball. I, you know. And then of course, and then he was he was the one that yep. died in the chair, you know, uh, one of the ones that died in the chair, you know. So uh, I've had a a fascination to, to that kind of stuff, as I'm sure you and and a lot of us. I mean, I remember the moon walking all, you know, but all of a yes, sudden I don't remember the moon. Well, <laughs> well, no, I get it, but you know, but the thing of it is, is that all of a sudden, no. you know, that was big. You know, all of a sudden now it's on page thirteen, right? You know, Correct. I mean, we, do, we do this stuff I, today. I keep trying to explain it. He's going to the moon. Yeah. We should be making a bigger deal out we of don't, it. We don't, yeah. And, and, we, and the moon is like halfway to Mars. I'm right. Like, yeah, well, yeah, really. Okay. Right. Well, time, you know, so. we, we should have more context for how, how ballsy these people are that are willing to go up in a machine not knowing what might happen at that point. Yeah, we should and, have and, context yeah. for that. And it's not, not like, you know, it's like, I mean, I remember watching the... The challenge, right, uh, yes. Watching the, uh, the, the, uh, Columbia, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. Columbia, right. With yeah, just te- you, yeah. With, with a teacher mm-hmm. on it her, and her, her parents in the... In the, in the in the stands yes uh, the, you know, that was, the guts of these people yeah. to do this should be yeah, more recognized sure. it is remarkable to me when a human being yeah. says yes i i think that i can help better yeah. society and i'll take upon the risk to go do something that other human beings can't do well i admire your versatility it's a whole lot better than it's a lot more fun talking to oh. to an astronaut than whether uh, whether a sure stop can go to his left or right <laughs> <laughs> jim henneman thank you sir great to see you we still have a lot my pleasure anytime lot to do today include john smoltz is going to join us this hour oh, the hall wow. of famer okay. we will uh, chat with smoltz john, here. So, and listen okay that's a good okay. one because we're always talking about trades and stuff like that don't forget dole alexander that's right for john, for john smoltz. smoltz worked out pretty well for the braves there's no question about that all right we got a lot more to do it is a monday edition of glenn clark radio 
Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Thanks again to Jim Henneman for stopping by, hanging out with us this morning. That was a lot of fun, just talking shop with a legend. Appreciate him doing that. And, yeah, if you missed uh, yesterday on 105.7 The Fan, as I was saying, Rita and I had a really special Father's Day show where we caught up with um, Colton Kowser's dad and Kyle Hamilton's dad and uh, Trenton Simpson's dad, which is a really neat conversation. You can find that uh, over on the 105.7 The Fans page. Also, Kevin Zeitler, uh, Ravens guard, who's a dad, uh, wanted to talk to us about fatherhood. So we had a really fun day talking about dads and telling dad stories. And I got a little emotional with some people's stories about their dads. It was a it was a neat day. So um, if you missed any of that, I would encourage you to check that out. We try to do that for Mother's Day and Father's Day every year. If you got to work Sundays, it means you got to work those days. And so we try to um, make them a little special and catch up and, and hear some stories. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's dad talking about there was a text exchange the week of the Miami game last year uh, where Kyle Hamilton basically said to his dad, I, I'm going to we're going to find out if the cheetah is really the cheetah. And then, of course, we all know what happened. <laughs> and so apparently both Kyle's dad and Kyle's mom like roasted him after like that that's the relation now they're not together his dad and his mom but apparently they have this relationship and he says the mom is ruthless just ruthless 
uh, about those things. And uh, there were some really great stories told about that. So I'd encourage you to go check those out uh, over in their page. Uh, I greatly enjoyed the soccer last night. Oh, yeah. I found that a little surprising, frankly. I thought that Canada was the team to beat. Um, down I, down two guys, too. And uh, down two of your better players, right. obviously, in Destin McKenney. And then um, what's-his-face got hurt during the match? They'd already Gio, scored. Yeah, yeah. Gio. He Gio already assisted twice. Right. So. They'd already scored two goals by that point, so it was a little bit easier to overcome. Um, you know, Balogun looks every bit the part. That's very exciting. This is we're two matches in, and it is hard to not be overwhelmed with Balogun. Um, a set piece goal, my yeah. kingdom for a set piece goal, right? Like who would have thought? There are some levels of soccer where everybody scores on set pieces. Um, the U.S. had not, not scored a set piece in seemingly it, forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were um, talking about it on the pregame, like Charlie. I think it was Charlie Davies and and uh, Clint Dempsey. They were both were like, "Can you guys score?" They were talking to the whoever the new VP is. Okay. Um, and, uh, and they oh, were it was like, Gooch. It was yes, a Gucci yes, on Yewu. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, can you score on a set piece? Yep. And then they do it 12 minutes in. I, remarkable. <laughs> remarkable. I, I certainly so did not BJ... have Chris Richards on my bingo card right. for scoring a goal, but I'll take it. There was another. He almost had it, yeah. Well, he the, the there was the header off the crossbar. Mm-hmm. Then there was, it wasn't Richards. It was somebody else. There was another defender that got a strike earlier, on before they had scored either goal, very early oh, okay. in the match. Someone got a that, strike. Is that Anthony Robinson? I no. don't think it was. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Or Scally? Sc- or, maybe. But or, uh, it was Zim. It was just outside the box and served the ball damn near into the upper 90. And you're like, what? what is going on here? What is happening? Um, that, team, hella- that team beats England 3-0. I mean, Yeah, I mean, let's maybe ease up on 3-0. But, like, I, I, it's very difficult because as you're watching this, there's the small party that says – are, are we sure we shouldn't be sticking uh, yeah. with B.J. Callahan? Like, are you is sure? he the greatest tenure in U.S. Men's National He's going to coach the Gold Cup, which gets underway this week. Um, uh, like, and Look, they'll be the favorites to win the Gold Cup, but the Gold Cup obviously is a little bit different because these are not the full national team rosters. They win the Gold Cup. That conversation's going to be real. They're going to be educated people. They're going to say... What are we doing here? Like, why are we turning away from someone that has... It's not just that they've won. They're playing an entertaining style of soccer. And that's so dramatically un-American. So, I I don't... I'm not trying to create the controversy myself. And Lord knows I don't have the power to do that within the soccer community. It ain't ain't me, babe. But, I don't know. It's 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 hard for a dummy, and I will. Hello, I'm Glenn Clark, dummy here. It's hard for a dummy to see the excitement of the last couple matches and not start to think about, hey, uh, what? Why not this guy? Why not this style? Why why not this be American soccer? It was very pleasant as the U.S. won the Concacaf Nations League. Uh, quickly, uh, today is a holiday. We decided to come in and work the show. As I said at the top of the show, very happy Juneteenth to everyone. Uh, Stan, Ross, and Luke are not going to do today. They're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. So make sure you tuned in for that. It's not going to be today. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock. And the Orioles are off today anyway. So uh, maybe by then we'll, we'll have some news about perhaps a significant call-up that uh, those guys can uh, discuss we would all appreciate that. 
Uh, but tomorrow, 4 o'clock, for Stan, Ross, and Luke, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Uh, our next guest, of course, uh, a Hall of Famer, lead Fox analyst, and he was on the Flippin' Bats podcast recently and said something very interesting about what he's seeing in how the Orioles are coming together and compared it to the 90s Braves, which, you know, was pretty freaking good and sustainable for a long time, including a World Series title. Joining us now, he is the legendary John Smoltz. He's with us on GCR. John, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, my pleasure. John, I, I think you got a lot of us very excited about what you had to say. Um, we are all quite enamored with the what the Orioles have built and started to put together. Um, the sustainability of it, the idea that there could be a window here for the next few years, that this might not just be a, hey, they're good this year thing. They might be even better um, with Jackson Holiday and other guys still on the way. Um, it sounds like you genuinely believe the Orioles are, are putting something together that could sustain and create a championship window of a few years. Uh, I really do. I mean, you know, the only unfortunate thing is they're in a beast of a division. There's right no now, doubt. Right? I mean, that that's the... That's the only unfortunate thing, and for them to for them to compete the way they are in a division that's had some heavyweights, speaks volumes of the organization and management that have been able to instill confidence in the young players to develop and to win uh, despite the expectations not being great, or at least the uh, you know I think of our 1990 team when Bobby took over. The second half, we started to feel something different. I mean, we didn't know what the moves were going to be made, you know, the next year. We didn't know if we'd even have an opportunity to compete for the, the playoffs. But what we did know is in the second half, we started to play better baseball. And it did yeah, – I'm not huge into, like, carryover into the next year because the next year could be totally different. But it did have some carryover, and I find that the Orioles last year, mm -hmm. in the midst of everything that was going on, had some confidence built in young players. They were starting to use some young pitchers, getting that experience, which is vital, not something that a lot of clubs do these days. They either have it or you don't. You get pushed around. You go to the bullpen. You go back and forth. Developing innings and developing pitchers is the only way you can have sustainability. And I think they're starting to do that. They have some exciting young players. I think if you polled a thousand fans, they couldn't name 10 players on the Orioles, mm -hmm. but that's okay because you couldn't name 10 players on the Braves in 90. And then all of a sudden it became household names. Yep. And, you know, obviously we did it with some pitching. So I think there are some similarities there. They're an exciting team, new rules, taking advantage of it. Uh, they play in a hitter-friendly park, uh, but they're but they're in a beast of division. So the new playoff format gives them an extra motivation. They don't have to win the division, and I think it's exciting times for the Orioles. Let, let me cut, touch on a couple of things that you brought up there. One, I, I feel like the word culture has come up a bit recently, and as you talk about what happened a year ago, I think there were some doubts, some questions about Brandon Hyde, um, who was unproven, about whether or not he's the guy – to lead you to a, a championship tenure. And I can't, from an X's and O's standpoint, tell you what Brandon Hyde brings as a manager. But at some point, how much credit should he be getting for what appears to now be a winning culture? And not just a winning culture, but 
a pleasant culture. They, I talked to the veterans on this team. Kyle Gibson will just rave about what it's like to be in this clubhouse right now. How much credit should a manager get, beyond the fact that there's obviously Adley Rutschman's talented and Gunnar Anderson's talented, but for creating a winning culture and a culture where guys are having fun and want to be here, how much credit for, should Brandon Hyde get for that? I think it's huge. Uh, I think it's uh, underestimated, undervalued, and not quantified because analytics wants to quantify everything, and you can't quantify that. You do have no idea if you're just input, output, stats, and, and information what a clubhouse culture means. Uh, most people in the analytic world don't value that. And listen, this is the one thing I selfishly hope happens. I've seen this too many times in my career. Somebody takes the helm when they're not very good trying to build, a, you know, that window of six years, rebuild, and then they go get another manager and add a bunch of players. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't happen here. He deserves a lot of credit. They had to endure a lot of bad losing, and he has created a culture in the midst of that that has brought up some young, dynamic players, no doubt. They've drafted, and now they're developing. And if you can keep a culture with the – with the coaching staff, your chances of winning are a lot better because now you've instilled something. But if you're just a placeholder and people are just, you know, I've seen where teams have, you know, the the in-between players fill spots so the young players are ready and there really isn't that future for them. I think they're building something pretty special now that, I mean, to be honest, you're never going to probably compete in in the salary role with the big boys. But baseball today and the way you can play it, you don't have to now. You can take advantage on the bases. You can take advantage of putting the ball in play. Look, they're statistically in an offense. They're in the middle of everything, yep. so they're really good. They could probably have an upgrade with their pitching. they got a really good a couple last guys at the back of them to their bullpen. And I think the interesting thing will be, does the organization now feel like, because this is the huge key that fans are going to want to know, Yep. can we make a move? that makes a difference, that gives us a chance to really mix and match in the playoffs and make a deep run. And that's where teams who are faster than their timeline in the past have not done that. We saw this, you know, saw teams go the other way when they were in the mix because the organization didn't feel like they were ready and didn't want to give away some pieces. If the Orioles can get a player or two with control, that means giving up something, it's a difference maker to that team, and it could be the difference maker that allows them to not only stay in the mix, but, but kind of go deep. That's the hardest question that management has to answer when they get to that point. The great John Smoltz is with us here on GCR. John, what you just brought up is, is very relevant to me because I have assumed all along, I, I think the Orioles should try to be active. I, I think you brought up a front-of-the-rotation type pitcher. They're hoping to get John Means back later in the season, but even with that, they could use a real front-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. And I, I do think there, there could still be room in there for maybe even a bat, too. But I, I guess what you're saying is the answer isn't a rental. It's not I, – I think I agree that there's not a championship – I it's so difficult for me to fathom this team winning a World Series – that I do think it would be a mistake to move anything for someone that's not going to be around beyond this season. Yeah, and that's going to be the tough call. See, here's the thing I never liked was when people say, oh, the playoffs are going to come around every year now because this is what we built. 
You don't know that. That's true. And so that's the hard part to make a fan base believe that you are you are in the playoffs. Like let's just say it comes to comes just before trade deadline, you're locked in a playoff spot. It would be very difficult for the fan base and the players in that organization to not make any significant moves. Yep. Because then that's telling your team, like, I don't know if we're good enough to do what the Phillies did last year. I mean, no one can tell me that anybody in experts in baseball thought the Phillies could make a deep run and get to the World Series. It's very true. But they got hot. They got in. And the difference is they did have some pitchers that could carry them there. That is the only thing now with young pitching and not a lot of innings, it is very difficult to make a deep run if you don't have guys that can finish that don't go empty the tank, right? That that they still have innings or not limits. So yeah. that's the difference when you're ahead of the curve and you're faster than you're winning more than you thought you're capable of. That's why the, the 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 management gets paid to make those tough decisions. And it'd be interesting to see how the Orioles handle that because they are a very dangerous team uh, to play right now. And to your point, whether or not they feel like they can get past some of the big boys. Getting to the playoffs would be huge for this organization. Giving these young players a taste of it, essential. Even if they didn't make a marquee move, getting to the playoffs would be what they need as an organization to move forward. If you're going to kind of mirror what we did in 1990, although be it a totally different era, that's what allowed us to uh, you know, sustain a long run. John, I, I, I loathe to ask you about innings limits because if I remember right, I don't think you're a huge innings limits guy, but you just brought this up. I, I'm writing about it this week. I Tyler Wells has really been quite a revelation. I mean, he's given up too many home runs, but he's leading all of baseball in whip by, by a good margin. Um, he's got the second-best batting average against in all of baseball this season. The strikeout numbers are up. Tyler Wells is really coming into his own. But he's also about 20 innings away from matching his total of a year ago, and I, I don't know how much further they can go beyond that. But that's on one side, and then on the other side, he's also 28 years old, right? I, you know, this isn't a 22-year-old yeah. that we're talking about. It's someone that's getting into an elevated part of their career. So I, how much further can you go with something? Again, at 103 a year ago, before that, it had been four years since he had thrown 100 innings because he had been hurt and he had been through Tommy John surgery and the pandemic and all of that stuff. How much further can you really go innings-wise with a pitcher beyond you know, where he was at 103 a year ago and, and count on it and not run the risk of it damaging someone, remembering he's, again, a little bit further on in his career at 28? Yeah, well, first of all, we're all brainwashed, and I'm not saying we're brainwashed in the right way. This is a different era and a different system, and, and, and for whatever reason, people have chosen to go about developing pitchers in this way. I think it's flawed. I think it's it's ultimately the wrong way, but given the fact that it is what it is, he's probably got 30 more innings past his max, hmm. um, and they're going to have to probably spread that out. I'm not a big fan on the way they develop pitchers. Listen, I'd be the first to tell you if analytics came into this game saying they're, which they did, saying we're going to put players in better position to stay healthy. We're going to we're going to fix. We fixed and and know how to get pitching and keep them healthy. None of that's worked. So you never hear them say another word about that. They just plug in place and plug and replace. So that part to me still is an era that is driven by velocity and max effort. And you're going to need 35 to 40 pitchers to get through a season. That's insane to me. But that's just the way it is. So given what we just, you know, what you just laid out, 
I think they're going to have to find ways to rest and not buy into this everyone's going to break mantra. I mean, if you can stretch it out and, and utilize him and, and use the all-star break and use different yeah. starts, I think that's the best way, given what we have today. But that goes back to my earlier point. It's why it's hard to win and go deep with a young, developed staff that you want to have for the future. And if you look at every playoff team in the last 10 years, 15 years, very few of them have had guys with innings limits that they couldn't get to the playoffs. And then here's the other interesting thing, just as a caveat. Somehow, some way, they've determined once you get to the playoffs, the innings limits don't matter anymore. Right. I kind of laugh at that right. because that is the most yeah. – that tells me there's no yeah. – there is no such thing as knowing how to navigate pitchers because they're not preparing them for their job. They're preparing them for what they want in a, in a vacuum. They want stuff, spin, and velocity. And when you do those things, you need more pitchers. It's really fascinating. I, you know, obviously this conversation has come up a lot recently around the College World Series and, and seeing guys go 140, 150 pitches, and people say it's abusive. And I'm like, I, I get it. I, un- I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I also know that most of these guys are probably not going to be major league pitchers at some point, and they want a chance to win a championship with their friends. And I, I don't, I don't have a, an easy answer to these questions, John. I'm glad I'm not the one that's being paid. To well, and, that, and that's why I say somebody came up with an artificial number. Yeah. That means absolutely nothing. That has brainwashed everybody. I'm telling you to the point where some of my contemporaries are even buying into it because that it's it's been pushed so much. You see a pitcher get to 110, and they're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, get him out. Why? One game doesn't determine the totality of the season. If I flick your bicep very softly, over time, eventually it will bruise. And that's like mechanics. If you're repeating your mechanics, you can't just – convey a number if a guy's clean in a game and has no stress he should be able to pitch x amount of pitches and then vice versa if he's not get him out early because to me an artificial number has done more harm to the game than using your eyes and using you know the ability to see that each game in itself should be different and let's not just lop everybody in because some guys could pitch 110 and some guys could only pitch 80 so that one individual that pitched and struck 16 guys out for stanford I know the whole world's blowing up mm-hmm. that this guy's now going to get hurt. It's a brainwashing. Yet we just have to utilize some common sense and be able to understand that pitching's not natural, but if you don't repeat your mechanics, it doesn't matter what pitch limit you put on the guy. If you've got bad mechanics, you've got a greater chance of getting hurt. It's fascinating. Uh, John, before I let you go, if I could, I – we, we were talking earlier, the Orioles avoided a sweep yesterday in Chicago, and, and avoiding sweeps is not, you, you don't hang banners for that, but they haven't been swept once since Adley Rutschman arrived. It seems like every time we start to think, oh boy, th- this, this is really starting to go south, they figure out a way to win a game, and Adley Rutschman's arrival has been such a demarcation point for this franchise. I know you haven't done, you know, I don't know if you've done, how many Orioles games you've done at all, I don't think you've done any this year. But in watching from afar, have you gotten a sense for the value of Adley Rutschman and, and how to define the way that his presence has maybe gone to change this organization? That's been huge. I mean, the one thing I can t- tell you about baseball is when we project a, a star or when we get a high draft pick, young player, or a stud college, most of the time they are developing into who they say they're going to be. And this has been an indicator for the Orioles on how you look – 
it's so important. The numbers run the course on when he's gotten called up, what they've done, Santander and what he's done. You, you, you flex in an O'Hearn and you get, you know, guys that know how to hit and, and, and guys that can run and steal bases. This is what the Orioles can be, even though they, they live in a park where it thinks you would think you'd put together a masters type lineup. Now with the, with the rules and just the way the game has changed, um, they're going to, they're going to drive people crazy. I think stolen bases, they're going to put the ball in play. What I like about their roster, look, this is what I'm big on because I do the postseason, I do the World Series, and I see these things run every single year. If you put the ball in play more than the other team, if you pitch the ball pretty well, you're going to have a chance. They don't strike out a lot, and that's the key. No team that's won the World Series in the last 25 years has been inside the top 10 with the exception of one or two outliers. Hmm. Everybody that kind of gets to the end put the ball in play more than the other team. And that's, that's a, that's just something that, you know, it's hard to outrun. If you slug and hit a bunch of home runs with swing and miss a lot, good pitching is going to neutralize you every time in the postseason. And so that's what they've got going for them. And if they can continue that trend, I really, really do like the Baltimore Orioles, not only this year, but in the next two to three years to really set themselves apart. John, is there anything at all that we can plug for you, sir? No, I'm just uh, I'm 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 kind of getting ready for the uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. For Are you headed to London? Game yeah, and, that's uh, cool. That's very cool. Yeah, that's... Cubs Cardinals. That's I've I've had a chance to do that a couple times now, and that's that's a that's a pretty neat thing. And then once we get to the All Star break, then everything starts heating up. No with doubt. teams that uh, are in the mix. And of course, Saturday afternoon, Cubs-Cardinals on Fox. John will be there for that. John, really, I, it, I boy, your your words and this comparison is something that's got a lot of Orioles fans very excited about it, and we're obviously excited in general. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Thanks so much for doing this. You got it, guys. Have a good one. It's the great John Smoltz with us here on uh, GCR with uh, obviously a lot of high praise. And, uh, you know, I get it. Somebody would say that the disappointing part about those 90s Braves is that they only won the one World Series, right, in 95. But they created a stretch of sustainability where they were in the mix. And, of course, they were up 2-0 in another World Series. And I don't like to talk about that one because I don't care for the team that came back and won that World Series. But still, they were regularly in the mix throughout the course of that era. And that's what you're hoping the Orioles can build uh, to John Smoltz's point, the Braves also had some inherent advantages. They had all of their games on national TV at that point. That created more of a national market. And so there was more money coming in, and that allowed for more money to be spent to fortify the team. I'm not trying to make an apples-to-apples -apples comparison between the Braves and the Orioles, but the, st the, the bedrock, the foundation of what the Orioles are building here, that comparison I like a great deal. Hey, if you have not picked up this print issue of PressBox yet, I would encourage you to go do it right now. Um, this was a really special Father's Day story, and I find my, found myself wanting to read it again last night before I went to bed on Father's Day that uh, Dave Ginsburg wrote about Tony Siragusa. And it's a story about a football player, a man, a father, and significantly a father because a lot of the story is about how his kids are now trying to continue his legacy. Go pick up this print issue today at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all. PressBoxOnline.com All right. We missed him last week. 
good to have him back. Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Also, ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N, ConcreteLocks.com. And picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He's our buddy, Jeremy Kahn. And he's with us now here on GCR. What's going on, dude? How are you? What's up, man? So a couple of things that I didn't get to tell you about last yeah, last yeah, week it was... Yeah, I, you son of a bitch. I know you won the trivia championship. I'm still mad about yeah. it. I'm really... I, I said to the my team, I'm like, I don't care. We're not going to win. Like, we're not here to win. We're, we're, we don't belong here. It's sort of like the Miami Heat making the NBA Finals, right? Like, we're not supposed to be here to begin with. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not measuring whether or not we win. I just want to beat Jeremy's team. And I had to leave early to take my kids to the baseball game that day. And I got the message, uh, Jeremy's team won. I said, son of a bitch. You didn't get the best message. What? Your team did better without you. I know. They had a second half surge. They did. (laughs) I know. They did. And I wouldn't have helped all that much. Okay. Did you get the basketball question? I got one out of three right now. I I can't believe you got one. I can't. It is the most asinine question in the history of trivia because it's just basically guess. That's all it is. There is no actual reason. So the question, and we, I think I brought it up on the show, there are three NBA teams ever that have never retired a player's jersey. And all of the three teams, I remember one is the Magic, and like, why wouldn't they retire Shaquille O'Neal's jersey? Why in the yeah. world would that be the case? I did some because I'm I'm so mad about the question. I did some research. They've just decided as a franchise they won't retire a number until someone wins an NBA title. Hmm. Imagine See, that's, imagine that's, the that's Dolphins to saying to Dan Marino, "Sorry guy, we're not going to honor you. You never won a championship." Yeah, <laughs> and by the way, see and that that's kind of stupid too like when I think about it because I was reading something about a number that was I thought semi-retired, and then when Grant Hill went there, they took it out of retirement. But again, the Magic were one of those teams. The only one that I knew was the Raptors, and I knew that one, but I, even then I second-guessed myself. But why myself in the world would they have not retired Vince Carter's jersey? Like, why would Because he just retired. <sighs> okay, that's true. I mean, that is could true that he just retired. But could, could they Tracy retire McGrady, Tracy yeah. McGrady's Of course jersey? they could have retired Maybe. Tracy McGrady's jersey. Uh, went, by the yeah. way, the teams that I guessed when you find out the players that were retired by these teams. So my guess mm-hmm. is one was uh, a Charlotte. Can you name the, the player whose number is retired by the Hornets? Well, I've looked all this stuff oh, up you now. Did? But, okay. uh, well, hold on. Let, let me see if I remember who it was yeah. for the Hornets because it's, uh, I think it's a couple players that I don't even know of. It's, right? one. Is that, it's, one, one? it's one player. One player the Hornets have ever retired. And who is that? Bobby Phils. They have only ever retired a number because someone died. And I'm not trying to be like, I I don't want to be a jerk about it. It was very tragic when Bobby Phils passed away. But Bobby Phils was not in any way a player who would be warranted to have their number retired by a team. Next, Well, the Timberwolves did the same thing. Like, they haven't retired Kevin Garnett's jersey, to my knowledge. They retired Malik Seeley's. Is that really their one? Okay, well that's dumb too. But I would have guessed. So. I would have guessed they would have retired Kevin Garnett. So that's stupid too. I would have too. Yeah. Um. The the next team that I guessed has two players with retired numbers. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you know the yeah. two players whose numbers are retired by the Grizzlies? I do. One, I was angry at myself that I didn't think of, but I didn't realize they would have retired it that quickly. 
Um, the other one just doesn't yeah. doesn't make any sense to me because he's beloved, but it's Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. Ridiculous. If if th- if those numbers are retired by the Grizzlies, why in the F would Tracy McGrady's number not be retired by the Raptors? Why? Well, by the way, because I'm going to guess the, the the next one that you have picked is is the Pelicans. Yes, of course. And but yes. but you they, didn't ne- guess the Thunder, and because you didn't guess the Thunder, let me point out whose jersey number is retired for the I Thunder. I actually, you, the, know, you know what the funny part is? I actually knew that, and I brought it up when we were discussing. It's Collison, which is the dumbest thing N- ever. But I Nick Collison, yes, yeah. Nick Collison, and the only reason I know it is because I remember how much the internet roasted it the night when it happened. It's the only yeah. reason why I knew the answer wasn't the Thunder. Uh, no, my third, my yeah, our three guesses were the Hornets, the, the, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. And of course, the Pelicans have the player whose number is retired by the Pelicans never played for the Pelicans. God, it's asinine. By the question. way, he barely played in New Orleans. Correct. I mean, he played for the New Orleans Jazz, yes, but, and then they moved to Utah. It, 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 so. it, he, it, but he went. He's from there, and he went to LSU, and so he's a beloved figure in the state. Pistol Pete Maravich. So that's the reason why they retired. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. One of my favorite players of all time. What an a- well, I don't blame you for that, but an asinine question. I'm sure it makes well, sense it, that the Clippers haven't retired Bill Walton's n- uniform. I'm sure that's <laughs> logical. I'm sure it's sensical that the Clippers, who have had nothing going for them in their history, never said, maybe we could get a couple people to show up for a basketball game tonight if we put up Bill Walton's jersey in the rafters. God! <laughs> that's the one that got me. I was so mad at myself because like I'm like they've been around for so long and they've had really good players that have played there. You figure along the way somewhere that they would have retired it. So what I guess was the Raptors, Pelicans, and Grizzlies, and I thought they all made the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Orlando one didn't make sense nope. because of all the stuff that we had talked about. Nope. You just assume Shaq was um, like even getting Minnesota right was for the wrong reasons. And then some of the other teams, it's just like, come on, guys, it's ridiculous. But but that, to me, it's more infuriating because, as you and I talked about that day, when you're the sports guy on the team, there is an extraordinary amount of pressure on you when there's a sports question, right? Like, I gave you the one from a couple weeks ago, which was the – and I gave it to Griffin, too. Who uh, who are the guys that have won four or more Cy Young Awards? And the first thing that happens in that moment – is I have a damn near panic attack. I did the same thing when you asked me because I went, oh. And then, and surprising enough, like I tell the story about Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds all the time, seven Cy Youngs, you know, seven MVPs when we're talking about steroid users. And you asked me, and yep. I didn't even bring up Roger Clemens. So, and so. It, it, Clemens is the one that I know off the top. I'm like, the first thing I say is Clemens. But somehow I convinced myself, and I, I did well. I went three for four, but I'm furious that I missed Steve Carlton and Gas Verlander instead. And but I just I thought the Verlander's last one was his fourth. I was like, didn't they talk about him joining this like club of guys that have won four or more? But it was that he joined the club of winning three or more because it was his third instead. And the way that I feel when I get a sports question wrong, I I feel small because I don't I don't have a ton else. Like I'm good on the music stuff. I'm good. I, we've got a movie guy on our team, so I'm good with that. But I don't need to be good because we got a, a guy who's much better than I am. And oddly, mm-hmm. I'm good with like current politics. Like, whenever there's a bizarre question, like, who's the lieutenant governor of Minnesota? I'm like, well, I actually know that, right? Like, that, that's, no, the, that's weird. That it's the, oh, it's, it's so, we got a question a couple weeks ago, which is, who is the current lieutenant governor of Virginia? And I, I looked around, and I was like, well, this is easy. And everybody looked at me like, what are you talking about? This is easy. <laughs> I'm like, you guys well, don't know that Winsome Sears is the lieutenant governor of Virginia? And they're like, Duh. no. And then, as it turns out, I was the only guy in the bar that knew that Winsome Sears was the lieutenant governor of Virginia. Um, I'm pretty sure that guy invented Cracker Barrel. 
it's, 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 it's actually it's actually a woman. Maybe I made that up. It's a woman wins yeah. the series. Oh, um, but that's pretty the, sure that chick. Wa- <laughs> yeah, but that's that the only invented crack. Whenever there's a so. science question, they all look at me. I'm like, I'm not even going to say. I'm just going to add to the chaos here. Like, I'm not going to help if I even start talking in this moment. Whenever there's a question about African geography or Jesus Shakespeare, do I come unglued whenever there's a Shakespeare question? I don't I don't want to say anything because nothing that I say is going to be helpful. So it's imperative that I am able to help on the sports questions because it's really what I'm there for. And when I get a question that's as asinine as that question was, I'm not mad at me. I'm mad at them. That's an asinine effing question that makes no there is no reason why any human oh. being should know that. And they do that. My my big thing with sports questions at trivia or even if you want to just talk about jeopardy it's it's opposite ends of the spectrum they're either ridiculously hard to where it's an educated guess at best for most most situations or they're the easiest thing like uh who's the all-time you know it it would be like something stupid of who's the all-time home run leader and it rhymes with schmabe schmooze you know like (laughs) like they do crap like that all the time which drives me nuts and like my friends would bust my chops uh, from time to time, but like we would get stuff. Nineteen fifty-two swimming. Well, that's a sport. Yeah, I man, get out of here. Yeah, that's, right. that's not nobody, what we're looking nobody for. Nobody knows about it. Yes. I'll, oh. I'll give you the one time final question. It was a sports question. It was a boxing question, and they showed a picture, and it said, "Name this boxer." And this is before his like real height of fame. I think he had just fought Deontay Wilder the first time. I stood up and looked at everyone and said, "We just won trivia because I'm the only person that knows." who this cat is as soon as they ask the question they're all looking around and i was so happy that we finally got a sports question on the last one that wasn't something ridiculous it was tyson fury so um (laughs) but it was you know great like it was that one moment where it was something that's not incredible it was kind of in between you know like it's a little bit difficult you have to know something but why don't we get more sports questions like that so we can pat ourselves on the back and tell everybody how smart we are i have in my like history of playing trivia my my biggest pulls were Somebody put up one. There was a final at High Tops once where it was. I don't remember. They put up a picture of a very young Eddie Vedder, and the only thing that they the the, the only clue in the quiz was um, this man was in a band called Mookie Blaylock, and I was like, "Well, I'm good. <laughs> like, I got this." Yeah. And we won because, and I was the only guy in the bar that got that. And then I was the only guy in the bar. This one's even more random. The only guy in the bar that knew. That the uh, the the question was, um, Carl Orff has an opera whose first I don't even know what they call it phrase is called O Fortuna, and it's the when when the category was opera I was like oh, no chance I'm gonna I don't know anything about it but I happen to know because it's in like every sports highlight video ever it's called Carmina Burana. And if you heard uh, it, you'd say immediately, oh, I know, ex- I've heard that a million times in my life. Dun, 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 dun. And I just happen to know that it's called Carmina Burana. And I jumped out of the chair. I jumped. And in fact, I might have even said when the, qu- the category came up, the only way I'll know it is if it's Carmina Burana. And then the question came up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh uh, My best pull wasn't even an answer that I got right. Somebody smarter on my team got it. But like there was a, the final question was asked um, and I didn't know the answer or anything, but I was like reading part of the, 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 the question. And I'm like, are they talking about like when they say eyes, is it like the eyes in the, you know, a peacock's feather? Yeah. And then my buddy goes, I know the answer. 
for me saying that, hey man, that gave him the I, answer because it was. It was leading him to it. I actually always feel good when there's a teamwork answer that comes to There was one recently, like, who are the two oldest members of the Senate? And I, I was like, the guy from Iowa. The, what the uh, – and I'm, like, screaming. And I'm just like, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. And, and Proctor all of a sudden was like, Grassley? I'm like, yes! Yes, him! Him, obviously. I totally <laughs> Woolery. that. Yeah, right? Chuck Woolery, exactly right. Uh, yeah, so congratulations. I appreciate the fact Thanks, that you... Thanks, man. That's the first time I've won that. I've had Is really, it really good teams that we've won semifinals a bunch of times. What that means nothing except you get to go to the finals. Yes. Um, whereas the next round really means something. Like, you could be, whatever, 20th at the semifinals and still make it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you get your little prize. But it was just kind of cool to... I know everybody on our team had been playing for a long time and wanting to win that. And the same thing you talked about, the final question, we all came together. And it was a team effort to get the final answer, which is really cool. It was a movie one, right? Like it was like mm-hmm. it was like a random. And I'm going to word it wrong. Yeah, it was something like best supporting actress in 2006, best actress, actress in, in 2017 or 16, best actress in 2019. We're all in the same movie. Name that movie. Yeah, and I didn't know. Essentially, it. I don't even know that I knew <laughs> the movie after they told me what it was. Like I, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that, so I would have been of no so, help. It unraveled for us because the answer ended up being the favorite. That's what it which was. Which had Emma Stone in it. Yeah. Which she won best. Which she won a uh, best actress for, for La La Land. Yes, and then the, the the way that we got it is the first person brought up. Um, God, what's the one woman's name in it? The Ol- one best actress Olivia, for the favorite. Sh- Olivia. Olivia. Yeah. yeah Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. So and that's how it unraveled. And somebody's like, "Well, what about 2006?" Um, they said, because somebody brought up the favorite and said, well, Rachel Weiss was in that. And I said, well, didn't she win something for The Constant Gardener? And they're all like, what was that? I said, that was that weird movie with Hugh Jackman. And, you know, they had a great soundtrack. But I think, like, Citizen Cope's on that with Healing Hands or something. Uh, or another, not Healing Hands, another song. Um, maybe it was Healing Hands. Anyway, so one of his long songs is on that soundtrack. And I knew that. And then we brought it up. Everybody came to the, the favorite and we knew it was right. Well, congrats. And we were one point ahead of the second place team. I am, uh, I am, I am jealous, but uh, I'm very happy. Congratulations, buddy. That's, Thank uh, you, man. That's well done. That's well done, pal. Um, I need you. I, if you had been on last week, I was going to tell you. I need you to do me a favor. I, I am not convinced that the show Fubar on Netflix is going to suck. I need you to watch it for me. Okay. I've already watched it. Oh, have you? Good. Can you? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me your thoughts. It's. Every Arnold Schwarzenegger thing you've ever seen. It's okay, fun. so I need to watch like, it. It's then. not going right. to win anything. You'll enjoy it. You'll yeah. be happy you watch that, it. That's exactly when I when when I, everybody was rolling their eyes at it. I said I, I I feel differently about this. I feel like I might enjoy it, but I I literally my plan was to have you go ahead of me and and tell me how the the, the temperature of the water because I thought that you the and second I second time able... the first time is when you got married and this, this is so awkward now. But anyway, <laughs> I said, please let me know. <laughs> Just report back to me if you don't. Don't tell your wife I said that either, because now I can't look her in the eye. Oh, stop. Stop. She would be honored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say something really you know, awful you know, right there, and you, I did You know it's really awkward? We have, I think I've told you before. We have a friend. Uh, our buddy Zach is in that band, All Time Low, and, mm-hmm. and he might be the most handsome man that's ever walked the face of the planet. Like, I'm sexually attracted to him. Um, yeah, he could get it, right? Oh, my God. Could he ever? I'd be honored. <laughs> um <laughs> But my wife, like, can't help herself whenever he's around. And, like, we've been friends for a long time. And my wife can't help herself. She's like, oh, my God, I want to have his babies. And I'm like, look, I, I, I can't even be mad. I, I, don't, I get it. Like, it, it's, it's that bit. I, there's a popular tweet that goes around where somebody's like, uh, this is a woman who said, 
my husband and I made a, uh, a a cheat sheet list, and he's an idiot because he said, you know, yeah. whoever Carmen, he five celebrities. Carmen Electra, and mine was his brother, <laughs> like, yeah. which is always one of my favorite things. This is very awkward for us because um, she, and I don't blame her at all, is very attracted to Zach because, again, he's maybe the most handsome person I've ever seen in my life. And he'll come over, and he knows, so he'll, like, go put his arm around her and, like, cuddle with her on the couch. And I'll just sort of sit there, like, mm, mm. You son of a bitch. But what am I going to say? Like, no? Like, of course she should. Yeah. Of course she should. I would if I had the opportunity. That's what you do. You tell her to get up that it's your turn now. Right. That's what you should do. Like, I saw a shirt today that I really liked and I thought about buying. It said, if you touch my beard, then I get to touch your butt. But I know what would happen. It would just be a lot of guys touching my beard. Exactly right. That's and then exactly I would feel compelled right. to go ahead and touch their butt because it says it on my shirt. Well, but what is like, that? How's that different than when you don't wear the shirt exactly? What's the? Yeah, I know. What's the but I just do it automatically. It just gives me a reason to now. I, I don't know if I had anything that I needed to get to. I, the, basically, I think we covered everything. Oh, no. Um, uh, Jeremy Kahn, by the way, is with us on GCR. Uh, Jordan Westberg's got to be here this week, right? Like, it's beyond time, correct? It, well, it's been beyond time for a couple, a couple of guys at AAA. Yeah. And it's just up to them to make the hard decisions, uh, you know, and what they want to do. Um, you know, like, look, they're killing it at AAA. There's, you got three guys down there, all of which could be called up at any point in time over the next couple months. So uh, nothing would shock me. And I'm just talking about the bats. I'm not even talking about, you know, pitching yet. So what What do they do? Like, what? what is – because I – it's a lot of square peg round well, hole stuff, right? Like, and and you say there's difficult decisions to be made. I think what we're really talking about is at some point, you know, you're either deciding, for example, that when Ryan Mountcastle comes back, he's no longer an everyday player, and he's not their guy. He's never been their guy, and it's been one of the worst kept secrets. Like we all like Mountcastle, but analytically speaking, he doesn't fit the mold for what they're looking for. Right. So I've always believed that he was going to be a guy on the way out, um, moved out, and like. We had all talked about Austin Hayes, too, thinking about a corner outfield spot, but maybe it's not Austin Hayes. Like, Austin Hayes has shown when he's healthy, and that's been a big if. Like, he's a good player. He's you know, good he's good player. defensively. He's solid. I don't think he, he's a game changer, but he's one of those, you know, those pieces you need on your team to help everything go. Yeah, Henneman brought it up early. I don't think he's really going to be a 320 hitter, but, you know, even if there's a dip, he's a, he's a, help, he's a really helpful player. Um, I, I I think the other awkward part is if you bring up Westberg is 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 Frazier no longer playing every day is you've been doing everything you can to try to keep Arias in the lineup and I I I hate piling on Arias because he does just about everything right like there's really no reason why we wouldn't like Ramon Arias other than you know he's not young and didn't come through the system and we don't feel that very strongly about him like I I I don't I don't know exactly what that answer is. But I guess a lot's going to depend too on how Mateo hits. Like I know everybody loves him defensively, um, but you know there's 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 plenty of options and things that they can do. I'm just wondering. So here here's the one thing I was going to bring up was the fact that now you know getting closer and closer to the trade deadline, the NL Central and the Angels are screwing everything up. I think for everyone because the Angels got back in the playoff picture now, and then you look at the NL Central. I mean the Cubs are four games, they're five games under 500 and four games out of first place. Like it's just. If, if everybody's hanging around, will they do what the Orioles did um, last year when they got killed for trading Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini and some of those other pieces? Will they get killed for doing that if you're technically in the playoff picture? You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a weird thing. The Orioles did the right thing realizing who they were, 
it pissed off a lot of people that they didn't push and trade and add to make a run to the postseason. But ultimately, they did the right thing. I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't. I want. I don't remember who brought it up to me. Somebody in the last week brought up to me the idea, and, and I, I get what they're saying. But boy, it would. Ugh, this city would burn. I, I had someone come up to me and say, "Dude, why don't they just try try to trade Cano at the deadline?" And I was like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" But he said, it "Was like you're seeing, you're seeing that what happened in the first month of the season isn't really his story." He's a really good pitcher, but he ain't that guy. But if you can sell him at a time where everybody thinks he's that guy, God knows what you could get. And he was a throwaway a year ago in a trade that you could now mm-hmm. turn into something real. And I just sort of sat there biting my tongue like, I, I don't think you can do it. I think it would be but, poisonous with this fan base. But, Jesus, there is a point to be made there. No, there there is. But let me say this, Glenn. I mean, was it a throw-in in a trade? Yeah, or, or did they just know, like, right, yeah. I mean, like, in all honesty, like, when you when you see a guy like Bradish come along, when mm-hmm. you see a, you know, you you look at some of these other players that they, they've made moves for and brought in, like, I was joking about the whole Bennett can theory with the Orioles, you know, like, the guys that they pick up off the scrap heap. It seems like most of them have worked out, even if it's just for a short period of time and then we move on from them. But, I mean, you mentioned Adam Frazier, not that he's off the scrap heap, but they really did pick Aaron Hicks off the scrap heap when they needed somebody, and he's looked great. You know, they they constantly bring in these guys, Jorge Mateo, who nobody wanted, and, you know, he's looked really good for a while. So I just think that they've done a good job of it. Maybe they are better at scouting than we give It's possible. Yeah. Oh, you all right? You, know, you got to go? So. You got to go? Are you everything okay over there? Did you lose me? Oh, yeah, for a second I did. I don't know what happened there. Oh. <laughs> like, oh. It was weird. All right. I'm just pacing around my house because I yeah. can't stop walking when I'm on the phone and I'm not sitting there. I understand that problem, by the way. Hey, uh, real quick. I have no what, idea why I do this. What you, what do you think of the Beal thing? Uh, man, it's – so, like, I disagree with what a lot of people say. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, Beal's going to fit in perfectly there because, like, Beal to me now has to take on that Chris Bosch role and be a glorified jump shooter and play defense. Like – you're taking an all-star caliber player, and I think you're ultimately going to turn him into a 3 and D guy, and it still may work because those guys are so talented. I wanted to see him go to Miami. Um, I don't know what the Wizards are doing because now the rumor is Porzingis might go to Portland. Uh, there's talks of Chris Paul could go to either L.A. team or right. Boston or somewhere else. So I don't know what they're going to look like moving forward, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just done with the super teams, man. I really am. Like, I just love looking at Jokic, you know, as he's – he shows up at a horse race oh. wearing yellow gym shorts oh. and a polo. Like, he doesn't care how he looks going out in public. And then everybody's trying to stop this cat from dominating the league. <laughs> I, I, I always believe in the fat boy. Yeah, I, I greatly – I enjoyed everything about it. I get what you're saying. and Look, this is measured, of course, by the fact that I'm a Suns fan and I, w- I would die to see the Suns win. I just don't really know, given – like, he's the only guy on the team right now that can make a three – I still don't know what they're going to do about Aiton. They've got to try to use Aiton in order to improve their depth, but then what happens when they go up against Jokic? Like they, I know that Aiton didn't solve it, but like they're not going to do better than that if they trade away Aiton. Well, you know what they might do is go to the death squad, and Jokic eats KD alive on one end, and he can't guard him on the other. Okay, But then, then that would turn into teams. More teams are going to run zone against the death squad, and it's going to kill them because you're, you're, I mean, you're putting out five shooters. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, right. yeah, I mean, there's... There's so many ways to look at it. Like, it, it, as a Suns fan, do you want Booker or Beal running the point? Uh, not, not that this matters as much, 
and then trying to stay bigger elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. like you could have those guys, your two guards, you could have one be technically a small forward and bring in a point guard or have, you know, maybe it's a campaign on your roster or somebody else uh, to help you. I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of interested to see what they do with it, but I do think Beal is way better than people give him credit for. I also think that people are killing the Wizards. Like, they had much of a choice here. Like, I, you know. <laughs> No, I, I get the Wizards are, are a joke, but like that's not because of this. The Wizards are a joke because the Wizards are a joke. Like, I, yeah, I, I what were they supposed to do? The guy had a, they needed to move on. They needed to at some point say we've got to blow this thing up and find a. It's not going to be Wembenyama. That would have been perfect and maybe done it a year earlier. Like they've got to find somebody that can be the centerpiece and try all over. That's the way the NBA works. Like, what were they going to do otherwise? If there was a better trade to be made, they probably would have made the better trade. And I get it. The the word was that the Heat had offered a couple of first rounders, but I, 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 there's this relationship between the Suns and Beal's agent, and essentially Beal said, "I won't go there." And that's the problem. Is like his trade clause said he got to decide basically where he went, and all they could do is just take as much as they could probably get in the trade and then move forward. So I. You want to kill the Wizards? Fine. I mean, they're 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 an embarrassment as far as franchises go. But I just don't know that there was ever anything they could do about this other than just say we'll take whatever we can get, and then to their point, they'll try to turn around and spin Chris Paul and get something out of that. Well, I'm happy for you as a basketball fan because it is exciting when you add a player it that is. caliber to see what it looks like. It is, and you know, for me as a Mavs fan, Beal was the guy I wanted a couple years ago before he ultimately signed with the Wizards, and they had money to spend, and then now. We have Kyrie, so yeah, you got that, yeah. and LeBron, and maybe LeBron will go there. Maybe, maybe Look, LeBron. Will. Kyrie is one of my favorite players of all time to watch play basketball. Really, but he's an absolute maniac. Oh, yeah, I, I think psychopath. Yeah. He, him playing basketball to me is poetry in motion. It's one of the most beautiful. I think he's the best ball handler of all time. I mean, and the fact that he ends up on my favorite team, and I love watching him play with. You know, now my guy Luca, and he might be the reason that Luca winds up on another team because they don't. I don't know what the hell they're going to do to better their team. They might not need much, but they need help defensively. Those two guys can score. <laughs> they just can't stop anybody. I had look. I made the argument that if I was LeBron, and like I know in two years I'm just going to play for whatever team drafts Bronny anyway. I, why not go try to win a title in in Dallas next year? Right? Like but, you're not. You're not. Dallas has no assets to move. Like they don't. They, they're. I mean, they could, what are they going to say? The next ten years, we'll give you all our draft picks. <laughs> I mean, I, but I don't know that it's going to like. At some point, I feel like LeBron has the type of power where he's basically just going to say, "Dude, it's the same deal. You're going to take what you can get. That's the way that this goes. You knew the deal when you got into business with me. Um, I have the power. I am the NBA. So if I say I want to be somewhere, then you're going to take what you can take in order to make that move. And particularly given yeah. his relationship with Palinka, that like I, I don't know that Palinka wouldn't say. Yeah, I understand that. That like, that's the cost of doing this business. I just I don't think there's any chance in hell unless somehow the Lakers are the team that was able to get Lillard. I don't see any world in which the Lakers can win the title next year whereas you go join down in Dallas, I think you got a real chance of winning a title there. Yeah, Papalinka was so good in Parks and Rec. He was. God, so, he was amazing yeah. in Parks and Rec. Uh and it's incredible <laughs> how he still looks this good at what whatever he is, 54 or something like that. How old is Absolutely. How old is Rob Lowe? Look that up. How old? How old is Rob Lowe? I loved his NFL think, hat, by the way, that Rob Belinka wore at the Super Bowl. I know how old the girl was that he slept with, allegedly. But uh, <laughs> he is fifty-nine years ago. Fifty-nine. <laughs> yeah. Rob Lowe is fifty-nine. He looks wow. unbelievable. He looks better than look. He looks better at fifty-nine than I did at twenty-two. Well, that's a, well, that's, that's, that's a, an easy that one, though. I've never correct. Good, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no doubt. All right, what's coming up? What's on the show? Uh, Rob's back tomorrow. He was off today, so. He's actually traveling with the team. He's down with the 
uh, watching the Orioles in that two-game set with the Rays. So he's going to be broadcasting from actually the Trop, which will be cool tomorrow, and then all week long, the whole crew back together, busting chops and talking sports. At Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 on Twitter. Of course, ConcreteLocks.com and picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Appreciate you, brother. Love you. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. I'll see you guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, with us as always here on GCR. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a uh, – Is there? what did we not cover today? I guess we didn't cover the U.S. Open. But yeah, U.S. Open. I mean, for God's sakes. I have a tidbit on it. You know what's funny? I actually on Saturday found myself not, like, paying attention, paying attention, but I had it on in the background because the Ricky Fowler thing was just compelling enough for me. Like, that's the pro- – in the post-Tiger world, what can compel me to watch golf? Not much. Not much. But the Ricky Fowler bit was compelling, right? Like, here's a guy we've all known. He's, you know, worn all these colorful, you know, outfits over the yes. years. He was uh, always a bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Max like, Homa didn't make the cut, so I was like, well. Yeah, I, you, you, you young people care about Max Homa. I don't care about Max Homa. I, he's just a guy that goes on podcasts. Like, he's not that great of a golfer. Like, well, I, that was, that I, was I my attempt it. to force myself to care. I, I get, and I get and that the, if you if you listen to the what is the part of my take, then you probably care yeah. about Max Homa. Like I understand it's not a knock. That's not even why I care. It's just well, what's then? Why well, do you just care? Because I because I know who he is, and uh, and I put you, you know, know I, who I, I, Phil I had a Mickelson free bet, is. I had a free bet on him. You know who other golfers are. You're pretending like it's the only golfer yeah, that you know. Max There's Homa, only one think, man on the face of the planet that plays golf that I've I ever think, heard of. I think like Drew or somebody mentioned that he had like the course record or something. So I was like, all right, then I'll I'll throw my free bet on him and then he didn't make the cut i actually like had it on the second screen for a little while on saturday and i found myself looking like at that point remember ricky fowler going into the final hole on saturday was up by two strokes and well they were complaining about the it was dark dark i mean i could tell that it was dark and when he uh what's when what's his clark made a birdie and then yeah my cousin rumham clark (laughs) and then when then he made a bogey because he missed a gimme putt on 18 on Saturday. And then he said it to Drew when I saw him on Sunday at the fan. I was like, look, I, I was compelled by Ricky Fowler, but it's over right after that. And he was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to hold up. I'm like, yep. So I didn't, I didn't watch like, sorry, there's nothing compelling about Wyndham Clark. Uh, no one had ever heard of the man before Thursday. Like I, I, you say, a, this is yeah. where a golfer's going to be like, oh, it's not true. Ever. No, stop. It's, it's no, the, it's uh, your average you're right. person you're had right. never heard of Wyndham Clark. Maybe he's going to go on to win 15 of these things, right? Like maybe he'll prove to be the greatest golfer of all time, but we've never heard of the man. His best finish at a major uh, enter or entering this week was a T75. Tied for seven. That was his best finish at a major. Picked a hell of a weekend. Uh, yeah. Well, he had won something before, right? Like he had won, I, think, I don't know, some like in Charlotte tour, or something yeah, like some that, right? Event. Um, um Look, I don't know what Wyndham Clark is going to be. Maybe this is the moment where it all kicks in for him. But there was nothing like if if all of a sudden Twitter had told me that like Rory McIlroy was making a move, then maybe I flip over and I pay a little more attention because Rory McIlroy is one of the few compelling figures that exists in golf. But you know, no, no, sorry, I had no With interest. Soccer on, I mean. Well, and particularly once the soccer started, it was always going to be at best second screen for me. Um, but once. Once the soccer started and Wyndham Clark was going to win the U.S. Open, I just sort of said. Oh, I meant to try out Paramount Plus had a Pulisic cam. They were. I did see that they had like they called it Star Cam. Right, they, is called, what they called it. Cam. Yeah, and, and apparently it was just on him the entire yeah. time. I never looked at that. I kept I on the main broadcast for the soccer. Oh, thank you for reminding me that I need to unsubscribe from Paramount Plus. Today. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. But they got Star that. Cam. They're 
All the Gold Cup matches are on TV, TV, right? I don't uh, have to worry about that. I don't want to confirm uh, or deny that. Right. I'll, I'll double, try to I'll find double out. check that. I'll double check that. All right. Anything else that we needed to cover from the weekend? I think that's everything. Okay. All right. Very yeah. good. Very good. Congratulations to our guy, Justin Armbruster. He oh, was yeah. also among the uh, the call-ups, and he's dope. Uh, if you did missed our conversation with him last he enjoyed, week. He enjoyed the golf this week. He definitely was enjoying <laughs> the golf this weekend. But how funny is it where he was like, I got a question for you. And all I wanted to say back is, I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> Which kind of was what I said that because he, he was like he missed Drew by twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what did he say? Like, what are you hitting off of a three hundred yard par three? What are you hitting? Fourteen. I was, I was like, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm terrible at this. I'm hitting the longest club I have and hoping that it travels seventy yards. <laughs> you are asking the wrong guy. It looks like it will be Fox uh, Sports. Gold Cup is yes yeah. on FS1, FS1, Fox. So not, no no reason at all for me to. Uh, I can bail on Paramount Plus. All right. Um, very good. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit and tidbit to wrap it up. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll let uh, Grant introduce himself okay. as well, who's uh, hanging out with us in the studio today. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 1-800-GAMBLER. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. 
All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Thanks again to uh, John Smoltz and Jeremy Kahn for joining us in the last segment. Uh, this is Grant DeVivo. Grant, uh, it's good to see you. Glad you came in to hang out with Thank us you, today. Grant. I appreciate it. Uh, we need to get you right up on top of that microphone, if you don't mind. Um, so, Grant, I have known for a couple years. Uh, you Did you just graduate? or no, you, you have one more year. year. Yeah, one, one more year, year at Stevenson. Uh, where you guys know I'm the play-by-play voice and I'm over there regularly, and I've just you know gotten to know Grant. Uh, you're a baseball player, but not like I don't want to. You're not on the Stevenson baseball team. No, not quite. Not for Coach Gage, but um, I do uh, play for Stevenson Club baseball. We're coached by uh, Zach Snyder. He's been there for the full um, the full ten years of the program. Um, I'll be heading into my senior season, um, uh, riding in as a co-team captain, and hopefully uh, maintaining my spot as as a catcher on the team and. Uh, also considering a fifth year, so there's uh, cool. ample opportunities. But yeah, it's been a heck of an experience so far. You get club athletes also got offered fifth years. That is yeah, that is well, kind of remarkable. I, I, yeah, I, my I was, was going to take yeah. one for dodgeball. For, yeah, right. Do you know that Griffin's a national champion? National champion over In there. Dodgeball, dodgeball, yeah, yes. dodgeball Towson national University champion. national yeah. champion. Towson, all right. Yes. Yeah. Um, you you're a baseball guy though. Mm-hmm. Like at your core, one hundred percent. Yep. So Grant's been trying to figure out a way to get involved with us over the years, and it's not worked out that we could do a, a formal internship with them, and that's that's quite all right. These things happen. We are always still looking for interns, although I think we've got one lined up for the fall, uh, another Stevenson student that I'm pretty excited about who is not really a sports fan at all, <laughs> but that's how impressive he was to me that I was like, dude, your attitude, everything about it, I, we'll figure the other part out. We'll make that work. Um, so he's going to be hanging out with us sporadically this summer. You are in the market for other opportunities Absolutely. in your life. Yeah. You love baseball. You'd love for those opportunities to be somehow around the baseball in Involved some sort in of it, way. Yeah. I've, I've developed myself to where – it's funny because when I, when I started playing baseball and started being around baseball, it just really wasn't like I – didn't, I didn't ever think it would, it would work. You had like a socially awkward second grader with America's pastime, and I played my first season, started watching the Orioles, and I was like, there's my life right there. So anywhere I, I am involved in the game, it's just going moving forward. Um, if I can be within baseball in some vicinity, I'll be a happy man the rest of my life. Well, if, you, uh, if you're in the world of baseball and you might have an opportunity for this young man, uh, let me know. Or what's, what, where are you on social that people could find you? Yeah, um, if you guys want to find me on social media, primarily it's going to be Instagram. So uh, 20GDeVivo, that's um, 20GDEVIVO is my last name. Um, Twitter, I'm not on a lot. Uh, Facebook, I'm on just Grant DeVivo, uh, but primarily it's Instagram. You can follow me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, some things I've done in past years. I was an Orioles intern last summer for corporate partnerships, um, and you know there's other ample opportunities I do with journalism and everything. So you can find me there. Reach out to me. You know, we can talk baseball, talk some other things as well. I'm around. So we had talked about Grant coming in every other Monday. And then of course the first thing I realized is that two Mondays from now we're not going to be here. Um, I'm going to make oh, a four day weekend out of. July, the fourth, July, the fourth yeah. is a Tuesday, and yeah. I do not feel like doing the bit where you come in on Monday, then don't come in on Tuesday. Like that's that stinks. <laughs> so I'm going to make the executive decision that we will be taking a four day weekend that weekend instead of coming in on Monday and then taking off on Tuesday. So we'll figure out a day. We'll figure out when you're in here next. But we're also going to figure out you're going to be responsible for some sort of baseball centric segment I'm on the days that, that you're yeah. here. All right, awesome. like we, I, I, I don't know exactly what it'll be. We got to figure out what that looks like, maybe what that sounds like, all that. But on days that you're here, you'll be responsible for a baseball segment 
on I days that you're in studio that. with us. All right? All right. Very good. Thank you, Grant. It's good to have you, you in you here. Uh, we'll look forward to hanging out with you during the summer. I'm very excited for this. I really appreciate it. I, I'm glad to have you. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Go there right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, Wyndham Clark, he now holds that record for lowest fin or like, you know, lowest, uh, highest finish at a major. Lowest, T- T- highest T-75. finish? Yeah. yeah. Oh. T-75. The, the, worst, the, yes. the worst previous best finish exactly. for a first-time major championship. That's exactly, winner. that's exactly right. I, it's a, that's, a, that's a mouthful, but I hear you. Before that, it had been uh, Louis Uth. Oosthuizen, yeah, Oosthuizen. Uh, who uh, Kyle Oosthuizen. and I, for whatever reason, used to call Ricky's Oyster House. I don't know where that Ricky's came from. Ricky's Oyster House. But Louis Oyster I, House. I think we I were it, when we used to do a bit where we would pick golfers. I, Kyle was big on just the I don't know who that, that guy is. Say. Ricky's Oyster House or whatever. I, or I think he called him Ricky Oosthuizen. I'm like, what? He was like, you know, Oyster House. I'm like, all right. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, that is the big that is the I guess the biggest in fairness I, that is a throwback and, I, I, and everybody knows I love Kyle Kyle's a friend and and we miss him and uh, Griffin's done a fine job but it, Kyle was a huge part of this ever existing uh, because he made the commitment to join me to begin with and uh, we fondly think of it's great to have Always Sunny back because one of our favorite episodes of Always Sunny was the Rum Ham episode. And uh, one year for Christmas, I made Kyle a rum ham, uh, which was great. And we, Josh Woodrum, was a quarterback that ran around in training camp with the Ravens one year, yeah. and was among the training camp darlings over the year. That everybody was like, "Oh, Woodrum's an NFL player." He was never an NFL. Shamar Bridges, NFL player. But yeah, thank you. But we um we decided to call him Josh Rumham for that because I think the episode had just aired or something mm. like that. So when Wyndham Clark was running around yesterday, I just, for some reason, I went back to Rumham Clark. Clark. My cousin Rumham Clark. Wyndham Hotels Clark, yes. I I don't like that as much. That's <laughs> not as creative. That's just the name of a hotel. That's all it is. I want something better. I did, I did, somebody's headline was Major Win, but replaced the I with a W. I was like, that's a good, that's a good headline. That's well handled. Um, I, I, Rumham is my guy. That's okay. my guy. My cousin Rumham. Congratulations. Uh, Shohei Otani has 24 home runs now, uh, second most by an Angels player all time through the month of June, uh, and he's still got 10 and, more months to go. And the best batting games. average against of any pitcher in baseball. Yes, he also has the fourth most strikeouts as a pitcher. And I mean, he's I mean, it's it's been incredible. Anyway, he's got 10 more months or 10 months, 10 more games uh, left in June to try and break the Angels' record, uh, which he holds himself: 28 home runs in 2021. Uh. Shohei Otani. Uh, so, I mean, and nothing, uh, I mean, it seems like he might break that in four days. So, I mean, I, I hear he's good. Well, yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to say yeah, I don't here. Know. I mean, just, I That's mean, Shohei. Good. Boy, dynamite analysis. Shohei Otani, good at baseball. I mean, oh. there's I mean, it's just something different every single day. I, it's nice. I, mean, I agree. Just, uh, Paul Skeens, I know. It's interesting. We were talking about Dick Hall at the beginning of the show after he passed away. But Dick Hall, um, I, I don't know if he played. Did he play a position? Well, did he ever play a position in the major leagues? I know he pitched. And he played a position for a while. I'm trying to think if he ever actually played a position in the bigs. Because I want to say he was a third baseman. Oh, Dick Dick Hall. Batting stats. Mm. Uh, I'm not coming up with him. Yeah, I'm leaning on you here. I'm not coming up with him. They called him Turkey Hall? He had to have. He had to have because he had a hundred. He played in 112 games in 1954, so he definitely didn't pitch. I know they pitched a lot Stuck more in 1954 there. than they pitch now, but he definitely oh, didn't. Games is yes, correct. Stuck so, him out there in right field. Yeah. He, oh my God, he played a ton of games. He played. 
in, in the beginning of his career, in the 50s, before he ended up coming back, as Jim talked about him going to the Mexican League where he came back and then being a pitcher, he played 102 games in the outfield in 1954. Um, he played a little bit in the infield. So he's one of the few guys. Adam Lowen is on this wow. list. Guys that have done both, not at the same time. Rick Ankeel. Rick Ankeel obviously is on the list of guys that have both pitched and played a position in Major League history, the late Dick Hall, is uh, in that group. But, yes, obviously not Shohei Otani. I know Glenn wasn't watching, but the College World Series was going on. I heard it was... like, it's been very compelling. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not, it's not like I'm it not was... a College World Series fan. I like. I told you, I you like told me college baseball. You you're trying to baseball. avoid it. You... I never said that. I don't know why you would say that. Um, like by the way, tonight there's nothing else to watch. This is the worst tubular in the history of tubulars. There is yeah. nothing of significance happening at all. Um, I, I, honest to God, the but, pandemic era had better tubulars. Like, this is was, bad. But um, anyway, it was perfect television on Friday because Oral Roberts and TCU, yeah, TCU were playing, and right after the Orioles game ended, so that miserable okay. Orioles game, you yeah. could switch over, and uh, Oral Roberts was trailing, hit a three-run homer in the top of the ninth inning. Well, and then didn't and Florida score like five runs on Friday night in the in the ninth yes, inning or something yes, like that? Yes, exactly right. So it's the second time in the men's college World series history that the first three games have all been won by. Uh, have been one of the team's final at bat, so it's cool. Yeah, it's um, cool. First College World Series where the first three games were all decided by a single run as well. Yes, Grant. What about that one? The one play I can't remember who it was. Um, game made on a fly ball. They lost in the lights. Well, that was oh, not yes, in the World yes. Series. That, that was, was in the Super, Super Regional, Regional. Okay, yeah. Stanford, Stanford, Texas. Texas. So we talked a lot about that. Yeah, that's gonna uh, with them for the rest of their yeah. lives. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah, uh, Paul Skeens became the second pitcher in SEC history to strike out 200 batters in a season, and he is now three strikeouts away uh, from setting this SEC single-season record uh, that was set by none other than L- LSU's great Ben McDonald, ben McDonald in yeah, 1989. Right. Yep. Yes. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yep. Uh, Blake Snell struck out nine, all nine starters for the second straight start over the you weekend. You my relationship with the College World Series is difficult because it means we don't get Ben McDonald yeah, for a little true. while. Like That might yeah. have something like... I. Like, I love you, but you're stealing away my guy, and I don't love that. Second straight start where he struck out all the nine starters in the lineup, Blake Snell did, uh, over the weekend. He is the fourth pitcher to ever do this since 1961. He joins... Uh, Roger Clemens. Not Roger Clemens. That's surprising. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson did it twice. Ninety and once in nineteen ninety two. You can guess, Grant. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You can just well, throw I, a guess. I, I want to let you go because I already saw his oh, list. Saw oh, his tweet, well, never so. mind. Uh, uh, Nolan Ryan. Uh, not Nolan Ryan. Surprising. I mean, again, these are. I'm just yeah, guessing. Steve Carlton. Not Steve Carlton. More modern. More modern. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Pedro Martinez when he got heckled by the Yankees. Oh, who's, who's your daddy? Yes. Well, don't yes. give the answers away. <laughs> don't do that. Pedro Martinez also did it twice, '99 and 2000. Um, Lastly, Verlander. Not Verlander. Scherzer. Not Scherzer. Uh, On the right track. Uh, okay, if you say so. Uh, Granky? Not Granky, I guess. Back towards uh, today. Back towards today. Yeah, even though Granky obviously still does pitch, but um, <laughs> shell of what he was. Charlie Morton. Not Charlie uh, Morton. That's I like Shane that. McClanahan. Yeah, that's Not Shane McClanahan. Not a good guess. Uh, uh, He's out for the year this season. He's out for the year this season. Oh, I should know that. Yeah. Who Who's out for the year this season? We saw he he pitched uh, he pitched against the Orioles and then that was like his like one of three starts all year. Yeah, he 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 dominated us. It was like the first week of the season. One head to head with Grayson. Why Grace. am I not remembering? Head to head with Grayson. Oh, and everybody was making a big deal out of it. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, uh, yeah, in uh, in I know it's in Texas. It's um. This is uh, this is when this happens at trivia. I want to <laughs> murder somebody because I know the I know exactly who it is, and for some reason my long time New York man. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! I actually pisses me off when you do that. I oh, uh, Degrom. Yes. Jesus, Jacob Christ. Degrom uh, struck out all nine starters in back to back. Hello. So. Yeah, I had another one, but we can stop there. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus it's 1224. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Uh, Tubular brought to you by your local Toyota dealer via Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, there's random baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cardinals Nationals at 4 on Masson, Royals Tigers 640 on ESPN Plus, Diamondbacks Brewers at 8 on MLB TV, Mets Astros at 8 on MLB Network, College World Series, Stanford Tennessee at 2, Wake Forest LSU at 7 on ESPN, some Euro qualifiers. Dude, it's just a, it is a lean, lean day. Uh, USA for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Anything non sports wise that's American appealing? Ninja Warrior, wow, obviously, on NBC. Bad, and then Netflix has night. a documentary called Take Care of Maya, which is about this 10 year old girl named Maya. She was admitted to Johns Hopkins Hospital in the Children's Hospital in 2015. Okay. And apparently she had some really rare condition. Uh, the, the trailer was very like ominous. like It didn't like reveal a whole lot. Um, okay. But like apparently she had a rare condition. Like The parents kind of just wanted to pull her out like so they could spend time with their daughter. Uh, but like the, then the state like kind of took custody of her and were like, we want to, you know, we want to, because we, we want to, you know, try to treat her, but they are they were telling the parents at the same time, we have no treatment because well, we don't know how to treat uh, this. So Interesting. Yes. Interesting. That is on Netflix. All right. Very good. Thanks today. Oh, by the way, congratulations to my guy Frankie Tiafo. Won the uh, mm. Boss Open this weekend in Germany, his second career Boss. ATP tournament win. He officially moves into the top ten of ATP rankings for the first wow. time in his career, which is how very old is he now? Dope. He's like, t- he's twenty six now. Okay. I want to say like he's no, he's not. Qu- maybe he's twenty five. Eh? Gotta get these old guys out of there. Well, I mean, he's not. He's twenty five. He's twenty five. Um, congratulations to Frankie, uh, Maryland native, uh, now two-time PGA Tour, not PGA Tour, ATP Tour winner, and uh, in the top ten, which is a very, very big deal. Two Americans in the top ten that has not happened basically at all over the who's course the, of uh, who's the uh, other Taylor one? Fritz ah. is also in the top ten. Fritz. So uh, very cool. All right. Uh, thanks today to. John Smoltz. Thanks to Jim Henneman, who joined us in the studio for a great hour. And thanks to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all of it up. It was a JJJ, yeah, JJJ. Triple J today. Yeah. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of we the... Got triple G's in here. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Anything tomorrow? Stuff and things. Oh, no. Okay. It's not great. Thanks, everybody, Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All-American Lacrosse, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.